The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Shaggin' Flies. We have a wonderful guest for you this week. DJ Short, who writes about fantasy baseball over at NBC Sports Edge and has written about fantasy baseball and fantasy sports in general for over a decade at this point. He's also written about a whole lot of other stuff. He's written a bit about music, which we talk a whole lot about music in this episode. Surprise, surprise. And uh, so hopefully you love talking about music (laughs) because there's a good bit of that in this. But we also talk a lot about how DJ got started uh, writing about fantasy sports and how he kind of got into writing in general. Uh, so it was a wonderful conversation. DJ's great. He's a great follow on Twitter at DJ Short if you don't follow him. So without further ado, enjoy our conversation with DJ Short. Well, that's not good. We are all set to go now. We're good to go. All right. Well, awesome. What's up, DJ? How you doing? All right, just uh, saw the end of the Mets game, so I'm not in the best of moods, but um, yeah, I'm yeah, doing <laughs> I'm doing right. okay. I feel you. I feel you. As a uh, every everyone who listens to this podcast knows what I'm about to say, but as a lifelong Orioles fan, I feel your pain. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I know what it feels like. So does Zach, as a White Sox fan, we yeah, all know. It and they just like gave up suck. two runs in the six, so. <laughs> uh, Oh, the Orioles are like inventing oh. new ways to lose. Lately. Okay, <laughs> they've been they've been just so bad, so so yeah, bad. I love to see my guy Santander, the bank that's open on Sundays, back in Raven, though. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's going to be a great trade chip. Hey, not bad for a Rule Five guy. Yeah, that's true. That is not a bad return at all. But anyways, so DJ, thank you for being here. It's it's really cool. So I want to start this off uh, with two things. One, I want to just address at the top that I am sick with a cold. So if at any point during this podcast I'm like coughing and sniffly and stuff, that's why. Uh, it's not anything else. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else it would be. <laughs> it's not my crippling coke addiction that's making me sniffly. <laughs> Ben, that's I actually told you we got to talk about that later. Okay, that, look, that's helping. That's actually helping me through the cold. Uh, <laughs> I also just sat in the rain for like 
two hours for my son's baseball game. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> Bravo. Yeah, let's... Uh, Did they win? Did they win at least? No, God, they lost 14-0. It was awful. <laughs> uh, no, 16-0. Oh, man. It was really... It was it was terrible. We sat in the rain for two hours, so hopefully I don't, you know, William Henry Harrison myself and get money or something. But we'll see. That's a reference um, for you. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, so the, the second thing, I wanted to start off this podcast by buttering your bread a little bit dj because um i haven't told you this but uh you are so i'm very excited to talk to you one of the reasons i'm very excited to talk to you is because about oh man probably 11 years ago i first got into fantasy sports at like at all 2010 uh and i started with fantasy football a friend of mine kind of got me into it and i didn't really i liked football but i didn't know anything about it and so I was in like way over my head. These are all guys who like had done fantasy football and I was like totally lost. So one of the first places I went to was Roto World. And you at the time were writing, I want to say the column was called Waiver Wired. Mm-hmm. You were writing the Waiver Wire column. And uh, I've always said that when I started writing about fantasy sports, as I think just about everybody does when they first start doing anything, I was basically like doing impressions of the people I read uh, until I kind of figured out like my own voice. And I've said, I've said on this podcast before, I was just basically doing a Tristan Cockroft uh, impression when I first started uh, writing about fantasy sports. But uh, among those influences that were like all jumbled around in there, you were among them. And the one thing that I especially want to mention, because this made an impression on me, and I'm sure you do not remember it at all, at all, nor should you. But when I was first playing fantasy, uh, at the end of those Roto World columns, you guys had your emails down there. And I occasionally, I think probably three or four different times, emailed you fantasy football, just stupid, like, hey, should I start this guy or this guy? The the stuff that like you know I am inundated with now uh, and happy to answer. I don't want to sound like it's like this horrible thing. I'm more than happy to answer fantasy questions. But people DM me on Twitter and stuff with fantasy advice questions, and I emailed you a handful of times, and every single time you were gracious and emailed me back with like thoughtful advice when you could have very easily just been like. Oh God, like this guy wants to know if he should start Ben Roethlisberger this week. Just, I don't know, just start him. You know, <laughs> like you, you, and it, and it meant a lot. Like I, I distinctly remember every single time I got the reply email, I was like, oh my God, this guy who is paid to write about fantasy sports actually like took a second out of his day to reply to me and offer me advice. And I was always very grateful. So I just wanted to say, uh, it is very awesome, exciting to talk to you. You are a great dude and i've been reading your stuff for a very long time much longer than probably just about any other fantasy writer that i know so well anyways you made my day (laughs) i just wanted to build you up i just wanted to build you up uh tear you down we found some of your old (laughs) tweet no i'm just kidding (laughs) that's funny No, no 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 but uh but no seriously it was it was really really cool because i know you know i know we all get especially when you're for a bigger platform. Like I can't even imagine the DMS that 
that Nick gets for pitcher list about like, Hey, can you tell me this picture, that picture? I mean, just, it gets, you get so many people and then yeah. people like, they care so much about their fantasy teams and then they like lay the fantasy team on you. And then like, if you give them the wrong advice, which you're just, you know, you're making your best guess. And it's like, you know, you know, it's, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday and you're like, I, I don't know, start this guy. And then, you know, so it, it can be a lot and and you would be anybody would be perfectly justified in just being like look man i you know i don't have time to answer all these questions but but yeah. you took time out of your day to do it and and it left an impression on me and i really appreciated it and i think i he probably emailed drew silva a couple times too and he responded as well so anyways i just wanted to start off by saying that and it is a joy to have you here on shag and flies I'm uh, yeah. very happy to have you here. Um, how are you doing? You doing good? I'm I'm great. I should say from the start, back then I didn't have kids yet, and uh, yeah. if I did, I wouldn't have answered you. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't uh, blame. <laughs> yeah. So now it's like very sporadic. Like I'll get emails and DMs and all that stuff. If you catch me at the right time, I will answer. But like I have like the short-term memory loss now so like if i if i like forget or walk away there's no chance of me answering Dude, so like you gotta get me at it, the right moment i get that i 100 percent get that like i it's funny i've also found and and again i don't want this to sound like i'm complaining because i'm very much not the fact that literally anybody actually values my fantasy advice is just mind-blowing it is pretty amazing yeah right? i mean it's ridiculous yeah yeah it's it's stupid because I sit there like I have I don't know if you experience this, but I have like the worst imposter syndrome where I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And this guy wants yeah. me to offer <laughs> advice. Oh, yeah. No, for for years, it was hard for me to get <laughs> yeah. there because like my background wasn't I didn't aim to be a fantasy writer like that wasn't a goal of mine. Like I started out uh, playing fantasy football I was super into that and baseball came later for me, even though I was a big baseball fan, just fantasy football is more fun for me to play at that time. So like when I got into the industry, uh, it was just kind of a part-time job for me. And when I started getting thrown into more of these responsibilities, I was like, are you guys sure you want me to do this? Because like, it felt like I was kind of faking it in a oh, way. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. And when you're on kind of this bigger stage and like, they ask you to start doing videos and like things like that. You're like, I'm not trained for this. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, and you kind of just have to, you do have to fake it until you make it. Oh yeah. You know, everyone starts somewhere. So like nobody's an expert too. Like, I, I think that's the number one thing you have to realize when you play like fantasy sport or when you write about fantasy sports is like that whole expert terminology, like just throw that crap out. Like, don't even think about it. I, I hate when I'm referred to it that way because I I like try to be a good analyst and like help people, but like I'm not the best fantasy player, you know, yeah. in the world. Like I, I screw up all the time. So like, you know, everyone's kind of on an even playing field as far as I'm concerned. So for sure. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oops, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go. I was just going to say something I always think about is something that Jake Seeley mentioned in one of our earlier episodes where he likened uh, fantasy sports to poker, where he's like, you know, there is luck involved with it. Um, but, you know, the guys who are good at poker, they're going to lose. 
Like they're going to lose relatively frequently, but the same group of people are always going to kind of be near the top or towards the top. And I think, I feel like fantasy sports is exactly like that. Like, even if I write a lot about fantasy sports and I'm deeply involved in it, I'm going to lose. Like there are going to be plenty of times. I can't tell you how like terrible I've been at TGFBI. Like <laughs> I've been in it. This it is my third year. Honestly. It, well, I have my own issues with <laughs> the way that's set up and all that. But anyways, that, that aside, um, it, it's funny. I was also, I was, yeah. I was also thinking of the Jake Seeley, um, conversation we had too but for a different reason because whatever i'm sure whatever responses you guys have the capacity to give to anyone who reach who reaches out to you past or present it's almost certainly better than tony kornheiser calling you and just yelling at you like while you're at work Dude, out of the blue yeah. after they reach out to him uh, <laughs> i don't know if you've ever heard that story dj no i'm not um, so jake jake when he was like starting out um blogging and I'll I'll condense the story. If the, it's on the episode we did with him. If you want to hear the longer version, but basically he just sent out his blog stuff to a, a you know a bunch of guys he liked, including yeah. Tony Kornheiser. And then like in the middle of the workday, Tony Kornheiser just he's called, working at a deli. <laughs> he was working at yeah a deli. Uh, Tony Kornheiser just called Jake, just like straight up. What, what do you want? He's like, now? what do you what do you want? You sent me something, and Jake's like, uh, <laughs> and then. Jake was like, well, you know, Tony was like, if I remember right, he's something like, you know, hey, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, uh, Jake's like, well, I want to do what you do, basically. I want to get paid to talk about sports. And then Tony's like, then just do it. <laughs> then just just do it. Just put like, but very aggressively. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just put it out there. Just do it. And Jake's just like, not mentally prepared. Who yeah, would be course. to receive a call from Tony Kornheiser in the middle of the day? <laughs> to who starts yelling at you to like, just, just pursue your dreams. Come on. <laughs> Just like it was, yeah. That's that was a great story. It's kind of touching, story. actually. Does, does Tony Kornheiser like call people during the day on a normal, regular basis? <laughs> I have no idea. I guess Jake just sent him this package of of stuff of like it was like blog, like just you know your basic everyday blog stuff. I think he was yeah. probably blogging about the Mets or whatever it was. But yeah, yeah. It's just it's funny. It, he he did that one time, apparently. Yeah, it is a blessing, guys, because I can tell you when people hop into my DMs, that is not what they're asking me about. That's not what uh, uh, I, so, I can only imagine what your DMs are like. But uh, yeah, um, y'all, y'all don't want to know. But and that, that <laughs> brings up though. So DJ, it's nice to meet you. We've never actually interacted before. I don't really uh, know all that much about you. Thank you for coming on and talking with us. So um if you don't mind me asking, just like, uh, where are you from? What's your what's your story? Tell me a little about yourself. So I grew up in Maryland. Uh, so yeah, also uh, a Marylander. Yeah. I had a feeling. I was wondering. We're gonna get to this in a second, but I saw you went to Salisbury, and I was like, this dude is eat. It has to be a Marylander because nobody from out of state is gonna be like <laughs> Salisbury. <laughs> well, Salisbury got a lot of like New Jersey and Long Island kids because of the cross uh, you know program. Actually, I believe that. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So but anyways, you're from where in Maryland are you from? Well, I grew up uh, like until like middle school age. I was in Montgomery County, Maryland, uh, okay. so right outside of D.C. Uh, yeah. And then like middle school and high school, it was closer to Philadelphia. So to like northern Maryland near like Aberdeen yeah. and all that stuff. Yep. Um, so, yeah, man. then I went to college in Salisbury and uh, I bounced around after that. Um, you know, I was. Did I interned in Philadelphia at a, at a music booking agency, and I wrote for a, a alternative weekly newspaper in Philadelphia. I lived in 
right in the DC area, Northern Virginia for a little while after college. But like, yeah, most of my life in Maryland, I live in New York now. I've, I've lived in New York for like six years now. So that's awesome. Um, so, so I'm curious then, um, (laughs) I don't know if you can hear my dog growling at me. She wants me to play fetch with her. She's like looking at me like, what do you think you're doing something more important? (laughs) Throw me this toy. Uh, uh so i'm so i'm curious then uh i'm kind of like mentally jumping around a little bit so you're from maryland born and raised in maryland spent a lot of time in maryland up until recently i mean up until you were in new york you are a mets fan yeah so where does that 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 fandom come from so my my mom is from long island or that's where she grew up so I had a lot of that influence on me as a kid. Uh, my grandfather basically taught me everything about baseball and he's a New York baseball fan, New York giants before they went to San Francisco. And then he adopted the Mets when they, when they came to the national league. So, uh, a lot from that. And also, you know, growing up in Montgomery County back in the day, there were these super stations. So there was WGN that had all the Cubs games, TBS, which had the Braves games and there was WOR which had the Mets game. So those were, those channels were carried nationally on cable. So even though I was in Maryland, I got to watch Mets games and sort of like when I fell in love with baseball and I was like eight, nine years old. Um, So right toward the end, unfortunately, like I didn't see the Mets in 86. I was a little too young, but kind of when that whole group broke up, you know, Carter and Strawberry and Keith Hernandez and Dwight Gooden and, all those guys, I, you know, I was over the moon for that team. Um, but yeah. And then after that, like WOR stopped being carried on, on national cable. And so I just started listening to Mets games on the radio. And even from Maryland, like late at night, you could go to like 660 on the AM dial and you could pick up the signal like really well. So I would listen to like every Mets game. I was, I was obviously very popular and <laughs> very fun at parties but uh so yeah i mean i did what i could to this was pre-internet days to keep up with the mess as best i could so nice that, nice that so, makes a lot of sense that makes sense yeah i was wondering where that came from yeah no that does as i always heard about I mean, I'm in Chicago right now, and I'm I'm a White Sox fan, not a Cubs fan. But I always get whenever I travel places, people their first assumption if like we're talking about baseball and they find out I'm from Chicago, the first assumption is that I'm a Cubs fan. And so you hear a ton, especially around the Midwest, you hear a ton of stories where people who are in Michigan or Wisconsin or uh, Missouri or really all over the place will be like, "Oh yeah, I'm a Cubs fan because WGN." It was you know yeah. they were just on all the time. Yeah, uh, I I remember W so i used to love when i was like middle and high school i would come home from i was kind of a i guess you could call it a latchkey kid i would come home from school and i would always watch reruns of old sitcoms on cable i was like and wgn used to run them a lot but i would always get mad because i'd come home some days in the spring and be like ah there's a cubs game on (laughs) three runs of yes dear sucks oh such cool <laughs> which cool underrated things. sitcom by the way yes dear was <laughs> seriously underrated sitcom nobody that in notes <laughs> nobody's but nobody likes afternoon baseball man that's that's money that's great stuff dude i was at the time i didn't i liked baseball i you know i grew up an orioles fan but i was very like orioles focused i didn't really care about 
the wider game of baseball when I was, you know, a teenager. I was more focused on, I guess, other things. But and I, I would watch Orioles games, but that was really it. I I could not have cared less about the Cubs when I was like thirteen. <laughs> now yeah. I would love to have more, like right. you know. Yeah, uh, and they're they're playing at night now a lot of the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But now I'm blacked out on them because I'm not paying for their stupid cable channel. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't blame you. I wouldn't. But um, anyways, sorry, my dog keeps like trying to play fetch with me. I keep, I'm sure you can see me. Just I, I see it. Yeah, I know it's this or it's this or she barks at me. Yeah. Um, uh, anyways, so long, uh, long toss. Long toss. Yeah, I'm doing some long yeah, toss with her. Well, she does this thing. It's so annoying. She does this thing where like she wants me to take the uh, toy. And so I'll reach for it, but then she'll back away. And I'm just like, you want me to throw it? Like, we know how the game works. We know what you want. You have a desire for me to throw this thing so you can go get it. But then she's like, no. She, like, plays hard to get. It's like, what are you, an animal or something? You don't have that great of an intelligence? Whatever. Anyways. Hey, my my cat is sitting behind me right now, but I can't turn around. If I make eye contact with her, she'll start yowling and jump up and (laughs) want attention and stuff like like that. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. what a what a well-built ship we have here right yeah <laughs> anyways so keep, keep, um, yeah, keep keep i want to keep jumping around just a tiny bit more though do to, it. to go back to what you said though um about you said you wrote for a um alternative weekly in philadelphia i'm just curious about that were you a writer coming out of college have you always been into um was that always like your your line of work you know so it's been your thing so i i went to college and i i really was not sure what i wanted to do I kind of didn't want to relatable. I didn't want to do anything actually, probably uh, other than like play Tony Hawk or something. Uh, that was pretty much my focus the first few semesters. Uh, but I got involved at the college radio station like pretty much right away. I I, I love music, and at that time, kind of sports was taking a backseat for me. Uh, I was never like. I, you know, I played sports, but I wasn't like a great athlete. I'm also like, I was not tall enough to be good at basketball, even though I love basketball. Um, so, so yeah, so, you know, I got involved with the college radio station, got super immersed in discovering new music and all that kind of stuff. I ended up being the assistant music director at my station and then the general manager of our radio station. And so, you know, I'd set the schedule. I'd like, uh, book concerts and, and all that stuff. So my interest really shifted to like uh, one, either working in the music industry as far as, uh, like I said, booking, uh, booking tours or doing like music journalism. So when I got out of college, I was kind of like, all right, like what can I find in the music industry? If it's writing uh, or if it's, you know, working more in like the touring capacity, like helping bands or, or whatever. So, um, it didn't take long for me to find out that that can I, can I curse on this? Okay. Yes, you sure can. Uh, <laughs> that Burn! doesn't pay anything. So <laughs> no, it does <laughs> nothing not. at all, but it didn't really dissuade me that much. My, my parents were always super cool and supportive and were like, we want you to do like what you love to do. I was very lucky they, you know, they let me come back home while I was like pursuing like interests of mine. Um, so initially, like I want to get in the music industry. I did write for the Alt Weekly in Philadelphia City Paper. And I did like music reviews, entertainment previews, like any kind of events that were going on. Uh, I did, you know, features on 
you know, music, current, current events in Philly. Um, but it wasn't long after that, that I was just kind of looking around for opportunities and writing. And during that time, cause I was freelancing and stuff, I got really super back into baseball again. And, uh, mostly out of boredom. So I was like, all right, I know how to write. Like, I know I'm good at that but maybe I can just try out the baseball thing and like see if this goes anywhere. And this was like right at the time that baseball blogs were starting to explode a bit. This was 2005 ish. So uh, there's, there was Mets blog, which was like one of the first big team centric blogs. Uh, Matt Sarone created it and it later went into a partnership with SNY, the Mets TV network. Uh, so it was kind of a first of its kind. And I just sent my resume in, uh, just on a whim to see if like, maybe, you know, he'd bring me on and he did. And that got me exposed to so many people, uh, who ended up making it really big in sports blogging and the industry. Um, so it kind of all happened by accident. And even during that time, like I was writing a Mets blog, I wasn't making money doing that. It was just kind of fun for me. Uh, in the meantime, I was like pursuing other avenues, uh, you know, career-wise. And I ended up uh, meeting a bunch of bloggers through this. I would do this one column called Blogger Beat. And I would talk to bloggers from other, you know, teams when the Mets would play the team. Like the beginning of a series, I would like interview them and, you know, who to look for and, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and one of them was Aaron Gleeman, who now works for The Athletic covering the Twins. Back then, he had his AaronGleeman.com, and he would write all about the Twins uh, starting his blog. And he also worked for Roto World. So years later, when I, w- I went back into the music industry, I was working for a music promotion company out of Boston. Uh, where we would promote independent acts. I, I was in the college radio side, so I was promoting bands on our roster to, for radio stations. I ended up quitting that job. And I had nothing lined up as a backup plan. And this was right during the recession of like 2008 into 2009. And not the best time to quit your job, but I did. And there was a part-time thing up at Roto World, like a job listing. And I sent my resume in and I said to Aaron, like, Hey, you know, I interviewed you a long time ago. Like if you remember and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if it was just like his laziness, but like, he just was like, all right, let's try you out and like, see. And then it all just built from there. So like just kind of random and you never know how things work out, I guess. But it is so so funny funny that you say say that. that. Oh man, I'm echoing I'm not hearing the echo. Oh, it must be on your end. Hold on. Let's see if I'm still echoing. Nope. It's gone. Nope. That was weird. <laughs> Ooh, that was our really production weird. Values, our production values are through the roof tonight. <laughs> Top notch here. Top notch. Only the finest at pitcher list. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, but it's, it so, it's so... For nothing. <laughs> Dude, the number of people. I cringe every time someone like like Alex is on uh, you know, MLB Network and they're like, Alex Fast from the pitcher's list. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like Google it just real fast. <laughs> like, it's, it's all right. It's no big deal. But um, no, it's, it's funny you say that because 
I also uh, I can re- I can just to relate. I also kind of fell into fantasy writing. Like it was not really on my radar at all. I I also wanted to write about music. I was I used to have a blog where I reviewed albums for nobody. I mean, it was a it was literally a Tumblr mm-hmm. <laughs> where I reviewed albums and no one read it at all. It was just like putting it out into sure the ether. And I was like, cool, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to review albums forever. And then I wanted to do writing, so I started doing freelancing you know, gigs and weird freelancing things. And then I came across PitcherList and was like, oh, all right, I could write about fantasy baseball. And just kind of sent an email to Nick real quick, thinking like, oh, maybe I'll write for a little bit on this thing, and this will just be another short-term freelance thing. And I'm still here four and a half years later. But yeah, it's uh, also college radio. I used to do college radio. It's the best. It is the best. It is, man. It is it. the best thing. I loved it. I couldn't wait to do my show. I hosted two shows. The freedom that you have on college radio to just kind of like do your own thing and you know play music, listen to music. I, I got to do like a four-hour show called Beatlemania where I just played Beatles nice. music for four hours. The blast. It was a blast. Um, but. Speaking of college, so as I mentioned, you went to Salisbury. And Salisbury, for those who have never heard of it, uh, is a noted party school. Yes. Uh, very much so. Probably the biggest party school in Maryland, unless, well, I guess College Park, just by by sheer size, yeah. <laughs> is a big party school. Um, but uh, when you were going there, was it, was it also, was it a party school at the time? And uh, if so, do you have any fun party stories that you're willing to share? Of course, obviously, you don't you don't have to share anything. Be no, like, nah, I never party at all. But, uh, yeah, so I I was always like a little snobby and like too cool for school. I guess you'd say I worked for the sounds college- about right for college radio. Yeah, yeah, I was a college radio person. So I was like, oh, look at them over there and take a <laughs> look at those look at those plebs. You're like smoking a pipe. Oh, You're like yeah. I went to I went mustache. to Bard College. I can that's like the entire it's the small for me liberal arts school aesthetic. It's everywhere. It's <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it's a vibe. But I would like go to parties. But I was always like judging. But I would go. <laughs> and because like i had friends that were on like the swim team i had friends that were in fraternity so i would like make appearances and uh there was one particular time when the relationship between the police in salisbury and the students was very um they were at odds with each other and i was at one particular or a couple of occasions where the cops would literally come to a house where a party was happening and like bust everybody in there. Luckily I was able to scamper away on a number of occasions, but there was one when I was at a party and the police literally came and were spraying like tear gas at people or something to that oh, wow. effect. Oh, Cause wow. I, I can remember like running away from it and like coughing. This is all cause kids are having a party. Like, Kind of crazy, right? You I know, mean, you would think in a part in the town of a party, like a party school, like a people know people party at this school. You'd think the police would be like, "We know this is going to happen. Let's just try and contain it." Yeah. Like, because I, I went, I went my first year of college. I went to Shippensburg University in Pennsylvania, which is also sort of a party school, mostly because it's an Amish country and there's nothing else to do. Um, and 
the police were usually like really cool. Like they would knock on a door and they'd be like, Hey, I'm going to come back in 15 minutes and I'm going to start checking IDs, just letting you know. And then they would leave. And then, and then everyone would clear out the party was over and their goal was accomplished and you know, nothing happened. Yeah. And you would think that in a town like where Salisbury is, they would be cool. But instead, I guess they decided to use their riot tactics. <laughs> yeah, it was very combative, I guess is like the best word for it. This was kind of like wild. My, my sophomore, junior year. I don't know if like by senior year, I was just kind of like over it and not like really paying attention to a lot of it. But uh, I used to run or I was part of the concert committee that would do this big uh, end of the year concert called Field Day. So one, and initially it was on campus. Then we needed to find an on off campus venue because they didn't want the concert on school grounds because of all like the drinking that would like go on or would like encourage drinking close to where the concert would take place. So we ended up actually moving this big concert to Arthur Purdue Stadium where the Delmarva Shorebirds play. Uh, so all ties into baseball. So uh, the first year we did the show there, it was um, it was the used in my chemical romance. Oh and man, ba- bouncing so- bouncing souls, and it was a great Throwback. show. And, yeah, yeah a lot of fun. The second year was Ben Folds and Jay Live, oh. and it, so it was like we got some really good artists to come yeah. to these shows. Um, but it was a whole production after that, like making sure that like people got there safely. Like we had to encourage people to like have a designated driver. And like, it was like so many logistics to make sure that like people weren't going to die. But this is all because yeah. they didn't want the concert to be on school grounds because people were partying too much in close vicinity to where the concert took place. I mean, just anything they could think of to stop kids from partying. I think not long after I left, they just stopped doing this concert yeah you would wow you know you would think after a while the college would just be like look we're not going to stop these college kids from partying like maybe we just try and relax a little bit yeah i I don't know what you're talking about because in my experience neither police have never been known to needlessly escalate situations and universe universities always have their students never hearts. oh yeah. We're, um yeah we're oh, not yeah. trying to dismantle the police state or anything but so on that on that <laughs> note uh i will ask what are some of your favorite uh musicians or albums or general you know music stuff whether it's yeah, your, like all-time it's, favorite albums or just stuff that you know means a lot to you or tell me it's some time of your, for your ben's it's time for ben's favorite section of the podcast which is let's talk music <laughs> okay yeah i mean so growing up uh i was also like a into the beatles kind of by force uh my mom is from england she was born in england she was born in witness england which is like very close to Liverpool. So she you know, obviously was like a huge Beatles fan growing up. And that was kind of pushed on me. Like I make a joke sometimes that like when I was very little, I thought like the Beatles were like the only music. <laughs> there was no other music except the Beatles. Cause that's pretty much all. <laughs> yeah. um, but my parents had a really good taste in music. Like, you know, Dylan, uh, Neil Young, you know, on and on like that, that era uh, was really impressed upon me. So uh, it was influential on my my taste. But as I got to like my teenage years, like I got into like 
punk and like pop punk emo ska like all that kind of stuff was uh kind of more my speed at that point in time so i would say you know growing up my favorite uh album was rancid outcome the wolves uh i still i still listen to it because you know top to bottom that's it there's not a, a song you skip on that album um yeah, I you know that's kind of more like formative years, like like high school. But when I got into college, I I think I fell kind of into like the indie rock, like emo singer songwriter stuff. So, yeah. Um, well, let's see. When were you in college? You that was like what early mid two thousands? Yeah, I I graduated in two thousand four. So okay, that was like pretty much like Bright Eyes was. My yeah, yeah. So you time. were right you were right like in the heart of like some great a time for great indie rock like right when that was really taken off like the i guess early the shins were around then and strokes had just come out strokes had just come out neutral milk hotel was a little earlier i think radiohead was like i mean they're still great but like they were you know peak yeah 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 that's that's some I've really developed an affinity for like mid to late two thousands indie rock, mostly because that's when I first started getting into it, and like yeah. I just it holds a special place in my heart. Same. I, I don't know if that's just like one of those things that happens when you're older, like you just end up loving yeah. everything you did, everything you listened to when you were between the ages of like eighteen and twenty two. But I think that might be like the sweet oh spot. yeah oh it is. I think I think it totally is. There's a um there's a thing that I've always heard. Uh, uh Lauren Michaels always says. Uh, he can tell who your favorite Saturday Night Live cast is by when you were in high school. Mm. And I feel like it's the same thing for music. (laughs) It's just like, what's your favorite music? Well, when were you in high school? Oh, okay. (laughs) That's that just, just for whatever it just, that's when you absorb it. And those are like really your formative years when you're like making these deep emotional connections to music, to movies, to TV, whatever it might be. And I feel like that's when like you really start getting those bands that as you get older, you're like, Oh, those are, those are my bands. Like I love them so much. I have a theory about this. So I lay it on me music. And when you're in that age, right. You're in that sweet spot, age 18 to 22, like music and film, it's like cultural currency. So you want to like pass that on other people. It builds the connections and when you get a little bit older, like you don't have those conversations as much. So you don't, you get, you don't get a chance to build that community around like a music scene or whatever the case may be. Like a lot, in a lot of ways when you're younger, that's part of like your identity. But when you like have two kids, you have a job, like you're not like talking to your next door neighbor, like, Hey Dave, did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. um, (laughs) You know, so oh, it's just, yeah. it changes. Like I, I was the kind of person that was like, I was, I love discovering new music and like telling people about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that excited me to like, you know, give that to someone and like spread that love for like an unknown kind of band. Like that was, that gave me so much fulfillment. Dude. Yes. I can't agree with you more. Like there is nothing that makes me more excited then when I like pass on an album to somebody and then they're like, Oh, I, I listened to, I listened to it. First of all, when they say I listened to it because you told me to, I'm like, Oh, you did. Yeah. And then, and then if they say, Oh, I really loved it. Thank you for sending that to me. I'm like, 
that's the best thing on the planet. Right. <laughs> like I remember there was uh, someone I dated for a brief time and they'd never heard of like arcade fire. This was like during that same time, 2004, mm-hmm. 2005. Mm-hmm. Never, never heard of them before. I wrote an article about them and I like sent it to be like proofread. Right. And she never heard them before. Years later, I see that she went to an arcade fire concert and I was like, ah, like you may have never liked them if I didn't like send you that article, yeah. and, you know, set off that light bulb. But like, maybe I should listen to them. So like well, yeah, little things like that, like still make me like smile a bit. Cause I just like people listen to good stuff, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, music is so important to people and, and like, especially if it's important to you, then you kind of, I don't know, project that importance onto other people. You're like, you assume it's important to everybody when it might not be, but to be able to kind of like, Hey, this is a thing I get joy out of. And to be able to give that to someone else and say like, it's like, it's so pure. It's like, I want you to have this joy too. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's an, it's an instant compatibility thing with, yeah, yeah. because those albums, like those artists and songs and albums that we're talking about that like do have like their deepest core meaning to it. Like to us, when we find somebody else that also likes that, it's like a big deal and it's immediately we could open up like, Oh, we have something, you know, it's a small thing to have in common, but sometimes it makes you, it's sort of a signal. You think to yourself, Oh, this is a person that I could, that I could rock with a little bit. This yeah. is, you know, maybe, or, you know, just in terms of, you know, relating to people, it's hugely important like that. Cause it does speak to our identity so much. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's just so nice to, to give that to somebody. And I always try, I always try to tell people, like if someone recommends a band or an album to me, I 99% of the time I will listen to it because because I want to. Like I I it's so easy, so easy for someone to be like, "Hey, you should check out that band." You're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah sure." And then never think about it again. Super easy to do that. But like I have discovered so many albums and artists that I love because a friend or or just some stranger on Twitter, you know. Uh was like hey man you should check out this album and and I was like, all right yeah sure i'll do it and i did it I'm like, oh wow this was great and so i always hope that you know other people will do that too because i think it's just it's just the best thing and and not just music like movies and tv shows and stuff it's just the best to be able to share that that joy with other people and I mean, there's still times on you know in the baseball community you know there's a surprising amount of people that are like in the good music into good movies like one example is is cara jeffrey she's like a big mets fan on twitter mm. um she she'll like give me music recommendations or she'll just like tweet it out and like we're on the same wavelength with music a lot of the time and like when you establish that kind of uh relationship with someone and and that person recommends something you're like oh if it's coming from you know this person then i know it's good like yeah that's the kind of stuff that i love building those kind of relationships and you know, growing up, I was big into making like mixtapes and uh, mix CDs and and that kind of stuff. I think it's maybe a bit of a lost art now, but yeah, I think it's kind of become play Spotify playlists now. Yeah, which is like it's Wait, not. People make, it's people not, make playlists for each other though. You gotta yeah. make. I love the effort. You gotta, you gotta make the effort. It's so easy to make a playlist. Like if you burn the CD, like and, and give the CD, like that, that means something. That's and you lot. gotta, you gotta draw on the CD and like oh, yeah. title it something clever. 
you know, I summer draw, 06 I mix. On it and, yeah, at, like, yeah. At the same time, given how much more instantaneous and online our society is as a whole right now, I would argue that even it's, it is the spirit in there is really, is really oh, the same thing. For sure. You know, I mean, like, uh, but hey, I do I, know I, I'm probably one of the last, like very last people out there that did like, make consistently like make cds up until because i loved doing it up until i was about eight nine or ten and then it just became irrelevant because then I right got so iPad, it's you know? it's important to mention that zach is a child <laughs> <laughs> zach zach is is roughly 15 no. 15 and a half 15 and a, yeah <laughs> no zach is is significantly younger than us older folk <laughs> that's okay no 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 but no no i, I, I agree though I, you're you're as old as my brother that's funny that's why my brother was born um i didn't realize that uh no but you're right though so like a great example it is nice to be able to quickly make a playlist for somebody i was talking on the pictureless discord uh in the music channel we have i was talking with somebody about baroque pop like the genre and uh they were like the hell is baroque pop and i was like oh well it's this you know it's this type of music that kind of like incorporates small little orchestras and stuff like that and they're like oh that sounds really interesting could you like send me some songs And i'm like sweet yeah so within like an hour i created a baroque pop primer playlist of like the you know the essential baroque pop songs that you should know and, and artists you should know and the only way I'd be able to do that is because I can get on Spotify real quick and do that. And that's for somebody who lives somewhere else in the country online, which is really cool to be able to do something like that. So I think there definitely is a nice value to Spotify playlists, but I do agree the effort of a mix CD or even just burning an album. Yeah. I used to do that for friends in high school. I was like, oh, this is a great album. Let me give it to you. I used, I used to do that. <laughs> I used to do that for my dad. Like my dad, I, I he never, you know, he didn't listen to new music because you know he, he was an old guy, and uh, and I would be like, oh, dad, you would love this album. Let me burn it for you, and I'd burn it for him, and then he'd listen to it on his way to work and or at work or something like that. So there is something nice that was that was really nice about like burning an actual physical CD. Yeah, that was. I, I I should say like you know I grew up in like I was saying the, the northern northeast part of Maryland when I was in middle school and high school like you really had to seek out music at that time. Like I, that was, this was like when I was a senior in high school, like uh, Napster had just started. Right. And I had dial up internet. I had like AOL dial up internet and it took like 25 minutes to download a song. So like, as I'm like learning about, punk and you know indie rock and all that stuff i'm like i this better be a good song like i it's <laughs> gonna take me so long to get it but yeah it was like that yeah. whole effort yeah. you have to make and in a way like it kind of makes you closed off like i do think that's the advantage of like spotify now is like you can really dive into everything and learn mm -hmm. everything in a short amount of time whereas like when i was younger and i sound like i'm yelling at the clouds but <laughs> you had to like give so much more effort to learn and in a way like that's good i don't know um but yeah i think so yeah I'd rather have the advantage of more access i i will yeah you're good no i was gonna, i was just gonna say like one of the nice things about when well i wouldn't even say nice thing i love having access to so, like just an ungodly amount of music i love it but at the same time, what that what that tends to mean 
is that I don't get as deep into albums I love as I would have before. If I had, you know, bought an album, then I would have listened to it to death, which which I did when I was in high school. I would go to I had this I I collect records now, but before I did that, I just bought CDs. Uh, when I was in like high school, I'd go to Borders and I would just buy a CD every time I was there. And and I would find these albums I loved and I listened to them to death. Nowadays, like I was looking at um I was actually looking at tiny mixtapes because I saw that you wrote for tiny mixtapes. Yeah, I did, yes. Um and and I want to talk about that in a second. But I was looking at tiny mixtapes and I looked at an article they had of like the best albums of the 2010s. And I was coming across all these albums where I was like, oh yeah, I loved that album. Like when I first heard it, I remember not just like, oh, it was good. Like I loved it. But then I realized I've listened to it like maybe twice since I first heard it in like 2012. Yeah. Whereas had I gotten bought the CD or whatever, someone gave me a CD in like 2002, I would have listened to that thing to death and I would know it intimately. And I think there is a value to like intimately knowing an album, which is something I try to accomplish with my record collection. Like I, those are separate i get those and when i listen to a record i it the thing i love about records is it makes listening to music very intentional it's very easy to passively listen to like spotify but when you put on a record you have to like get out the record you have to put it on you sit down you listen to it right so i I, but i think there is a value to that that can be lost with how easy it is to listen to music on spotify i think you're totally right and and one of the things i love about radio um is that I like to be surprised. Yeah, uh, yeah. That is an underrated thing about music. Like Spotify mm. is a very, uh, you're going there for a reason. You're picking exactly what you're playing. I mean, they do have like those like developed like playlists yeah. and that kind of stuff, which is yeah. nice. I like yeah, that. And that stuff is kind of crazy. It's kind of frightening. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what I love about listening to like a college radio station is I'm like, oh, this song is good and i've never heard this and i like google the lyrics and i'm like well i'm gonna listen to this whole thing yeah Uh, that is something that will never get old for me i i love to be surprised by something new yeah yeah i totally agree with that and i remember distinctly remember listening to you might remember the station in maryland 94.7 uh when it was i don't know what it does now but at the time there was this guy, this DJ, who was a longtime DJ in Maryland, this guy who went by Weasel. I don't know his actual name. You know Weasel? No, I, I, yeah, I remember. <laughs> you've heard it, not personally, but like you've heard I it. Don't, I don't know him, but I, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so that's what I'm saying. That, like, that's, it's really cool that you've heard of Weasel because like, I tell people about Weasel, and they're like, who, Weasel? You're making that up. Um, but Weasel was this guy who like knew, I, hopefully he's still alive. I have no idea. <laughs> but he knew music incredibly well and i would listen to his show every night on 94 7 and he would do these artist profiles he would like just toss out all these songs i'm like this is so cool what is this song i've never heard this before and that is that is super fun to like just listen to a radio station or whatever and be surprised by something and love it and like find a new band to fall in love with it's the best yeah yeah 
Yeah, that's I, my biggest gripe is I, I do miss listening to the radio a lot. Also, I mean, my car radio is currently busted and mm-hmm. it's been busted for like 10 months and I'm too lazy to fix it. So that contributes to it, too. But it does it, it, it does speak to this whole conversation just to I mean, music, the way music is being made is changing because the way of consumption is changing so much. And I, I saw someone on Twitter the other day said with regards to people who are around my age and I'm, I'm 25, um, if the 95 didn't give it away, but uh, um. <laughs> They said that we started out like people of my age came up like downloading music Im- illegally, you know, with LimeWire. We had all this stuff. We had huge yeah. library libraries, and we now we all just pay Apple ten dollars a month. And it's like, right, wow, right, fucking suck, you know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's like, but you look at the way the music is being produced. You know, folks like Future uh, dropping like you know three, four mixtapes in a year. It's sort of it's like I don't, I haven't developed this thought well enough to be able to articulate it super well right now, but um, it's. It's a different, it's just a kind of different aesthetic, I guess. Music is being consumed in different ways, and uh, so it's kind of being made to to different ends. And that is, as as Ben, as you've said repeatedly a few episodes ago, you know, who's to say what's good or bad? Yeah, right. of course. Exactly. And, and, like, in many ways, like, uh, Craig Calcaterra, who, you know, is one of my colleagues for a long time at NBC, you know, he's he's always said, like, the culture in many ways, like, belongs to the youth. So, like, what they want to do with it is totally cool with me as long as i can like stand in the back of the club and like tap my foot that's cool yeah something that's really been lost in the pandemic though is that i felt like how much music you do pick up socially though you know like Mm -hmm. so many times it's like i'm you know the amount of i mean half of the shit that i listen to in college is like yo i hear something at a party and i'm like oh what's that song i like that song i go look it up and then you go down a total rabbit hole and that happened like none for the last year and a half damn near Yeah. yeah 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 Yeah, yeah, it's I funny because totally there's been this debate on like, uh, I guess like style Twitter recently of like, uh, what jeans are cool right now? Are, should you be wearing like uh, skinny jeans or, or wide leg jeans? And I'm like, how do we even know what style? <laughs> like, have you seen anyone recently? Yeah. Like, I've only seen my wife and my two little kids like for a year. So like, I don't know what jeans are cool. Do you? What what styles are uh, trending for 2020 and 2021? It's sweatpants as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's sweatpants yeah. and overly comfortable t-shirts. You know, I I kind of bought into the indie rock style and like kind of kept that style like through now, I'll just say. But <laughs> last year I was like, I'm home. I bought sweatpants. And yeah, I'm ma'am. cool with that. And I have like athletic pants. I'm sitting around. I don't need to wear skinny jeans. That is the style. that is the first step as a dad. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna go down the dad hill. And before you know it, you're tucking your t-shirt into your jorts <laughs> while you're wearing your new balances with your tube socks pulled up. And you're you're like at cookouts, like tossing people frescas. And I, like clapping the grill tongs at people after you tell a dirty joke, like <laughs> that actually sounds like someone who's like totally cool, right? Actually, that sounds great. You know, like <laughs> they don't care know, what right? anybody thinks, or they think they look great. I don't know exactly. <laughs> um, the last last music thing before we uh, pivot to baseball, I did want to ask about uh, your writing a tiny mixtapes. Uh, what, what did you, so I tried to find some of your articles, some tiny mixtapes, but unfortunately Googling DJ at a, on a music site 
yeah tricky and short is also a word that people frequently use yeah. so uh and also there is a dj named dj short i don't know if you knew that yeah there's I, a, I, I encountered I have some, <laughs> there, if you google dj short you're gonna run into some interesting stuff yeah yeah so what did you uh write about for tiny mixtapes so uh when i wrote there i i wanted to kind of have like a fake name uh so so i just went by dj i didn't want to use my full name like full name even dj's not my real name either but uh <laughs> so during that time i just went by dj it's probably why you can't find it um and i also i did a lot of like just music reviews interviews you know features but the main thing i did was like their crazy like news stories they would put out every day i wrote so many of those and i i would find like the craziest kind of stories and i would you know i would curse in the stories and like so i just didn't want that to be part of my writing portfolio and stuff so i was like this is yeah, just fun that. for me but i really you know i wanted to write about music and i respected that site so much you know when i was writing for them uh so yeah, it was one of those things where I just sent a couple of reviews that I wrote and they were like, cool. And it didn't really lead to anything much, but like, you know, it was a great community there. Uh, the other writers were really awesome. We had a really awesome like message board actually um, for a long time that, you know, I'd find new music from or like we talk baseball and it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I sometimes I forget I even did that. Um, but yeah, doing those news stories every day. Like, I don't know if you're a member or even is that site still even in in operation? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still around. Are they I still doing so. like crazy news stories every day? Like they they liked having kind of their own niche as far as like news stories. So like it wasn't presented in like the pitchfork way of doing. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Like they liked everything to kind of be a little bit more edgy or funny. Uh, and outrageous so that was like right up my alley basically let me see they're most oh you know what no they're not they're not still in operation they're their most recent um the the site is still up but yep. their most recent articles from december 2019 so i would venture to say they're not around anymore <laughs> that's too bad man that's too yeah bad. yeah yeah that's a bummer i i those some of those niche music sites uh are really great that's one of like i don't know if you ever read the quietest yeah but uh like those those types of sites quietest is fantastic but those types of sites they're just they're the best but i feel like they do get overshadowed by the pitchforks and enemies of the world i definitely uh, sent some reviews to pitchfork um and, and let me guess they they uh looked down their nose at you and said pretty no. well. <laughs> pretty much exactly they I just gave you I they just sent you a thumbs down email <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, that's pretty pretty accurate. Actually. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyways, uh, let's let's pivot to baseball. Yeah. Because believe it or not, we talk baseball sometimes on this podcast. Uh, and the main question that we tend to ask just about every one of our guests, the kind of the main theme of this, is why do you love baseball? What is it about? the sport of baseball that makes it different for you from other sports. There are a lot of sports out there that you could be into. And you, you know, you said you're a fan of other, other sports like basketball and football, but what is it about baseball specifically that uh, personally kind of draws you into it? 
I think just the uh, the routine of it, um, mm. having it with you for six months or you know seven, including the postseason. Yeah, uh, I am a very routine person, and I need the routine. If I don't have the routine, like my brain, it you know starts overthinking or whatever, and it can get me into trouble. So uh, I think having baseball like has probably saved my life on a couple of occasions i would say um but yeah i I think having it as sort of like the background of my my summers and springs i guess has you know gives you something every day that you can kind of look forward to but not take too seriously uh because there's 162 games right right yeah, I just put a tweet in the uh, in the chat, which I think just sums up my my feeling, my agreement with that statement immensely. Is uh, for the listeners after after the White Sox managed to lose uh, yesterday. I should say more correctly, after Tony Larusa managed to lose, uh, <laughs> essentially lose him a game for the second time in three days. Um, our favorite. Uh, Oh, Janice is also at NBC Sports Edge. Isn't she? she is, um, yeah, yeah. We had oh, her on. Yeah. Um, we had her on a couple months ago. Um, awesome. Love her. So she she tweeted a meme. It was a Larry David meme. And the caption is "Me at the White Sox," and it's Larry David yelling "Fuck you!" and I'll see you tomorrow. That's, yeah, that, and that's, that, that's like, about sums it up. <laughs> it I just, mean, every day with the Mets right now, like they they've got sixteen players on the injured list right now. Uh, probably another one tomorrow. Uh, maybe maybe more than one. Who knows? Uh, but we know they're not going to score any runs. They scored one run Saturday, one run Sunday, two runs today, but you know what? I'm going to watch them tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're just going to put yourself through that, yep. that suffering all over again. But, uh, Craig Calcaterra, again, I mentioned him, uh, earlier. He's kind of said like in New York, there's a 162, one game seasons. I, I think that's a really a great way to put the way like New York. Yeah. Fans Boston fans think about baseball. It's oh, yeah. like you overrate things so much. Oh yeah. I I oh, don't yeah. have the heart. I don't have the heart to do that anymore because like my kids and stuff. I, I just can't. I don't have that passion to to do that anymore. But uh I think it's very, very accurate and can oh, be very exhausting if you <laughs> uh if you let it get a hold of you so yeah it takes energy to be to be upset which is why i love it there's like if you think about it logically there's no reason to get upset that upset oh it's any game it's, i mean if you're in, in new york it's it's a totally different story just because that's that's life in new york and i i consider myself like the mets are my my number two team i would say they're my national league team uh for a multitude of reasons but like i woke up this morning uh to a text from my a yankees fan friend of mine he says tyler wade has a higher f war than lindor this year yeah <laughs> lol well uh, i i tweeted out this stat this morning that like francisco or uh uh fernando tatis jr over his last six games i, I guess this includes maybe two games before he went on COVID, the COVID il he has like five home runs four doubles 14 rbis five steals and the other half of the tweet was Francisco Lindor season total. So over 36 games or whatever, he has like two home runs, four doubles, nine RBIs, three stolen bases. It's depressing. Yeah. And that is the beauty of it because we can get into August and the last two months of the season can happen and none of this will matter. Right. You know, depending on how some things go. Oh yeah. yeah. He could like, it's, it's like off. Yeah. the way, the way I've been thinking of it lately is that every 
10 game stretch in a baseball season is basically equivalent to one week of an NFL season. You have, you know, 16 stretches of 10 games. Yeah. More or less. So it's like, if you one bad series, it's a way of rationalizing a bad series. You have a bad series. It's like, okay, you had an off quarter. I cannot like, even if you get swept, how upset can I really, really be? Right. Of Um, course. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. There was actually a really funny thing I saw yesterday on the Mets broadcast about Francisco Lindor. It was like, you know, keys to the game, you know, they show the little graphic or whatever. And it said, Francisco Lindor is batting 314 over his last three games. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we have to go with here. (laughs) 314 over his last three games. It was kind of, I wanted to make fun of it, but I I couldn't, I I couldn't do it. I wanted to but that's like a little much for me it's funny i'm kind of i'm thinking about it right now and i'm realizing that i feel like i personally am in a better place as an orioles fan than i would be if i were a mets fan because i feel like right now there's nothing you can't hurt me as an orioles fan (laughs) my team is supposed to be the worst team in all of baseball if we win it is nothing short of a miracle yeah so like you know i expect everyone to be horrible and any glimmer of hope is just like an absolute joy to behold. Right. So, and I feel like that is so much better than we're supposed to be good. What the hell is going on? Right. You know, or even, I mean, the Orioles were kind of at that point a few years ago, like when we were kind of making the playoffs and we went to the ALCS. Then all of a sudden we were like, okay, this team is supposed to be investing in the in the team and nothing's happening. And then every, you're just getting upset and angry at the management, all this stuff. But when you're in this like rebuilding phase, I don't know. It's kind of nice. You're like, yeah, sure. Toss the ghost of Matt Harvey out there. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Screw yeah. it. Who cares? Like, yeah. you, know? Uh, you know, speaking, speaking from the perspective of a team that just came out of one of those, it's like, I've been where you're at, but, now being being in contention no, no, no. is better. No, no, no. Obviously, winning is winning is better. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but like, I think it's better. Winning <laughs> no, is obviously exactly better, but yeah. but having the, the expectation, yeah, having the expectation of winning, and then I'm like winning. severely yeah. underachieving, which I feel like is the Mets' story for the past like four decades. Right. Uh, and that has got to be. Well, I know it. Is. I know it's stressful because honestly, I'm, I'm a Ravens fan, and there have been a lot of years uh, where, like, just about every year for I don't know, probably the past like decade or yeah or so, the Ravens have kind of been a contender, and there have been plenty of years where we just suck for some reason or just or significantly underachieve, and that is that really sucks. Because you a, almost feel like offended. <laughs> there's a deeper level with Mets fans right now because there's the comparison with Jared Kelnick. And that's going to pop up like every day if Kelnick hits a home run or Diaz blows a save. It's going to be this thing that's in the background like always. And I'm kind of I'm I'm rooting for Jared Kelnick. Like I I I don't care. I mean, these things happen. Like teams make terrible trades, and and you live with it. I was gonna say you're uh, you're looking at a White Sox fan over there uh, who probably every gets time it. every time that dude in San Diego does something, my phone blows up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's real. In, it's real. You guys are in good shape though, so like you know, it hurts. But like you, your team has an awesome future. So right, and if you had Tatis at shortstop, you wouldn't have Tim Anderson at shortstop. That's true. And Tim Anderson's pretty great. Yeah, he's that is true. he's awesome. 
He's that great. is true. So to sticking, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll come back to more baseball stuff in a sec, because we were just talking about football um, and you came to your uh, Mets fandom in ways that I assume football or basketball fandom is not going to uh, come to someone. So I'm just curious who are some of your other favorite teams, favorite players and other sports. So growing up in the DC area uh, during a time when the Washington football team was very good winning Super Bowls with Mark Rippon as the quarterback. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I fell right into that. My dad was a huge Washington fan uh, and I started watching games with, with him and, you know, fell in love with that team. They were terrible <laughs> as soon as that, that Super Bowl was over, which I guess was 91 into 92. And have continued to be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I've had a really tortured experience of being Washington and the Mets. It's like oh the worst yeah. combination of meddlesome ownership. Uh, yeah, geez. It's pretty rough. That's pretty Yeah, rough. yeah. So, you know, I think at least things are looking up with Washington and they don't have that abhorrent name anymore. And, you know, their roster is greatly improved. And Oh, yeah. I mean, they uh, – I've always considered, since I'm a Ravens fan, Washington's always kind of been my NFC team. I'd, I've never – there's always been this weird rivalry between Ravens and uh, football team fans. Uh, <laughs> uh, fans of football teams. Uh, but <laughs> but it's, it, it's a dumb rivalry, I think. So I'm like – like between Orioles and Nationals fans, it's like who cares unless they're playing each other in the World Series. Yeah, that's weird. So, so I've I've always kind of tried to follow Washington a bit, and uh, yeah, they look a lot better now than they have in the past. Like they got as long as it's just the quarterback situation, which is like the age old tale with Washington. Yeah. Um, but uh, so if they got a good quarterback, man, they got like a decent set of receivers a halfway decent offensive line, a really good front seven uh, on the defense, or a halfway good offensive line is what I meant to say. Good front seven on defense. Yeah. Yeah, it's there's reason for optimism, which is good. Yeah, they still need to find the long-term quarterback. That's like the yep. big question. If they can figure that out, they're going to be a good team for the next you know five years. Dude, as soon as Aaron Rodgers said he wanted to leave Green Bay, if I were Washington, I would call Green Bay and say, you can have anyone on my team not named Chase Young. Yeah, they're yeah. Yours. As long as Chase Young stays. Anyone who's not named Chase Young is yours. You want a draft pick? Sure, I'll take it. Like, just, I do not care what it takes. That is a first call yeah. I would have made. Yeah. Take it, get him, get him out of the division. Yeah, the man. <laughs> I'm a Bears fan, and just every time I'm ready to check out, they always suck me back in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right sure. when I'm ready to check out. Andy Dalton, QB one. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Fields is my president. That's all. So. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, um, continuing back into the baseball theme a little bit. Uh, how many? Uh, so this is kind of a, a three parter, all related to baseball parks. How many parks have you been to? Uh, of the parks that you have been to, do you have a favorite? Uh, and when you're at the ballpark, what are some of your, uh, favorite things to get? Do you, you know, are you always like, I got to get a hot dog. I'm a hot dog at a baseball game guy. Or is there something specific at a specific ballpark you love? Uh, yeah. All three of those. Yeah. So I would say I've been to like 10 ballparks. I, you know, I might be off by like one or two, uh, I've never been to like Wrigley Field. I would love mm. to do that at some point. Um, that's on the list for sure. Um, mostly on the two coasts. 
I've been to those stadiums. Uh, not so much in the middle. I'd like to do that as well. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd say my favorite is whatever the giant stadium is called now. It's Oracle, Oracle Park. Oracle now. Park. Yeah. Uh, That's just, a good choice. Yeah. Uh, it's beautiful, man. It's it's great. Uh, but, you know, Camden Yards is, I mean, it, it hasn't lost its luster with me. Um, I, appreci- I appreciate you uh, patronizing me. <laughs> I mean, it's a beautiful park and has been since it is. No. Were. You're absolutely yeah. I love it, and you know everyone copied off of them, so which has to mean something, you know. Yep. Um, yep. I haven't been to the Pirates Stadium. That might top it. I I would love to go there. Sometime. I've heard PNC yeah. is gorgeous, and I, I it PNC looks good. I feel like we just named the three most beautiful ballparks in baseball: Oracle, Camden, and PNC. Yeah, no doubt. Like I feel like all we're missing is Petco. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been to, I've been to Petco too. It's I, I, you know, Petco is pretty cool. I, I'm, but I wasn't like blown away by it, but it's cool. Mm. It's cool. Uh, I was mostly enjoying the other parts of San Diego when I was there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad place to be. Um, as for going to the ballpark, I mean, seeing as I'm a Mets fan and since coming to New York, went there a bunch, you know, pre COVID, I would go pretty often. Uh, it was kind of like always my dream to be like 15 minutes away via subway to the Mets game. So like I took advantage of that. Um, I would go as early as I could and go to Shake Shack at City Field, like, uh, nice, nice. which I know you can get that like anywhere, but like getting Shake Shack at City Field is is a is Dude, a nice experience. Do they uh, upcharge Shake Shack even more at City Field? Because I feel I'm like sure Shake they Shack. Do. I'm sure well, Shake they Shack do. is already expensive for a pretty yeah. small amount of food. Very good food, yeah. but a very small amount. I don't like the waffle fries. I don't like the waffle I gotta say. Yeah. Um, the other thing at City Field, there's Mamas of Corona, which is like just a bunch of really awesome sandwiches, Italian sandwiches oh. and whatnot. Um, that's sort of underrated at City Field, I think, but it's like a classic thing to to get at a Mets game. So, yeah, I would say that, but that's like so Mets centric. Yeah. No, I mean that. That uh, honestly, one, actually, half smoke at Nationals Park is a pretty good option yes. as well. Yeah. Dude, the half smoke at Nationals Park and also their tots. They've got a tater tots place that's really good. Um, yeah, the Nationals Park, Nationals Park is like okay. Like it's kind of pretty, but you know, it's like in the middle of a part of DC that's always perpetually under construction. So there's just like cranes everywhere all of the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Nationals Park has some really solid food. It does. Like, which are mostly uh, political puns. <laughs> Most <laughs> of the restaurants are all political puns, which yeah. is wonderful. Yeah, uh, but yeah, there's... that's a very nice ballpark. I enjoyed yeah. City. I got this. This cup is from uh, from City. It's it's oh. my. I didn't even realize I have this and the Lindor jersey back there. I keep like accidentally. I was going to ask you if that was Lindor. Actually, it's yeah. It's a Puerto Rico jersey. I keep nice. accidentally. It's like the third or fourth time where I've accidentally had multiple things like themed to whatever team our podcast guest likes. Like, I had this Jose Fernandez jersey behind me when we had uh, Chris Towers on talking about Jose Fernandez. But uh, I saw City is cool. I saw someone got get kicked out of the. Um, is it the Coca-Cola corner or the Pepsi porch now? Which I think it's it. the Coca-Cola corner now. I could be wrong. I think it's I saw I saw someone get kicked out of there for like vaping too much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was also I saw the uh, like the longest inning 
in like the last 30 years of Mets history or something like that. It was like September 19th or September of 2019 against the Phillies, totally meaningless game. But yeah, you know, it's interesting that you say that too about the subway though. Cause this is my thing with like accessibility in games and why I'm screaming at, at teams just to do anything you can to make it literally more physically accessible. Just what a difference maker that is. I, I I'm here doing like this podcast and writing for pitcher list and doing this stuff. I'm as big of a baseball guy as I am because I live right now. I'm a, 10 15 minute drive away from what used to be known as us us cellular field slash new comiskey park i refuse to say what it's called now but uh guaranteed rate field (laughs) rolls off the tongue zach i don't really it it really does so but even like during so during their rebuild years during which is like you know most of the past decade or so it would be so so easy for me to just drive down to the park park a few blocks away get a nine dollar outfield ticket there's 15,000 people in the park and they're for a last place White Sox teams. So they're not checking tickets. I go downstairs and I did that 20 times, a, you know, a year and yeah. I became a huge baseball fan and that's how just making it that easy. And I doubt it's already not that easy for the White Sox now that they're yeah. good, you know? Right. Uh, and that's just, man, that's just such a huge difference maker. And I love that. Uh, I love that you like that. And you have, yeah, I, I, that's one of the reasons I love one of the things that the Orioles are doing now and have done in the past couple years is they do a, uh, Kids under oh, kids under nine, kids under eight are free, right? Just they're they're totally free. Bring them to the ballpark, no problem. Awesome. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I yeah, think that awesome. should be. I think that should be done. Major League Baseball wide. I I am just like I cannot like say strongly enough how much I think it needs to be cheaper to go to baseball games because. If MLB, like MLB is sitting there being like, the games are too long. That's the problem. Let's shorten them by 20 minutes. Like, just, <laughs> yeah, no, nobody, it. the only people who care about that 20 minutes are the people, are the umpires, the people who staff the stadium and the commentators. Yeah. That's it. The fans do not care because the fans all show up and they pay like $200 just to sit down and have food. Yeah. Like just, just if family afford to park, get the tickets, sit down, eat like you literally at Camden Yards is $20 to get a poorly made burger and French fries. Yeah. $20. Yeah. It's crazy, like, man. It's insane. So but which actually this kind of segues nicely and unintentionally into the next question, which uh, is if you were, let's imagine a hypothetical scenario, in which you DJ are named the commissioner of baseball. Uh, it just happened. Uh, and what breaking is the first news. thing? Breaking news. DJ Short, new commissioner of baseball. Rob Manfred uh, <laughs> has a seizure and writes a name on a piece of paper as a successor, <laughs> and he writes, scrawls out DJ Short, and then Rosebud, and everyone's trying to figure out. <laughs> uh, uh, what is one of the first things you would change? Like, What is something you would change about Major League Baseball? And this can be about the game of baseball or just about Major League Baseball, something you think the MLB... Ugh, I, I said the MLB. I'm sorry. Something you think MLB needs yeah. to do. So I said this on my podcast, Circling the Bases. Listen, wherever you're going to edit that out. We're going to edit that out. We did a show uh, last week with Ahmed Farid from NBC Sports. He used to work for MLB Network and uh, we were kind of talking about like state of baseball. So I've had this idea for a long time where I'm trying to think about the difference between uh, MLB versus NBA and NFL. Now the difference between the two sports is that 
or the three sports is that in the NBA and the NFL, like the quarterback, you know, controls a lot of the game, gets the face time, uh, very impactful on the game. NBA, you know, you can have two, three superstars and, and dominate. So my thought is we need to have the stars be more prominent in the game. So my idea is ninth inning, the losing team, uh, gets to totally redo their lineup in the ninth inning. So, in other words, like let's say the Angels are down four to two going into the ninth inning. Mike Trout might have batted the previous inning, but now they can totally redo their lineup so that it's Rendon, Trout, Otani. So you get the stars in the most important part of the game. I think it could be really exciting. Who wouldn't want to see more Mike Trout at bats? I love yeah, that. I that's love a that, that's actually. a cool idea. And I think that that points out an interesting difference I never really thought about, which is uh your stars it's kind of a good and bad thing. Your stars don't get a whole lot of face time in baseball or not as much consistent face time. Like in those clutch moments in an NBA game, you know, everyone knows the ball's going to LeBron. Like we all yeah. know it. Or, you know, there whatever. It, because in a clutch moment, you go to your star. NFL, same thing. You know, the quarterback, he's going to throw to his star receiver or he's going to give it to his star running back. Right. And in baseball, you know, uh, the, the game's on the line. And guess what? David Fletcher's up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, well, oh, well, like there's nothing you can do about it. now. I feel like, you know, maybe you have your star closer or something like that. But still, I mean, it's not quite the same. And I think that does help with kind of like the problem of like baseball stars need to be marketed better. Like everyone, everyone knows who LeBron is. Everyone knows who, you know, let's say Aaron Rodgers is. Everyone should know who Mike Trout is. Yeah. But they don't. And I think that's. That speaks to like a larger marketing problem, but that's that's a super interesting idea. Yeah, I, I think it's, like that. it's a way to, you know, when the game is in that decisive moment, like just how you want LeBron, you know, in the last second, you know, you have Mike Trout up in the ninth inning. The, no, this no, no, is ahead, this yeah. is very, very, very similar to um a crackpot extra inning idea that I had recently that I'm gonna throw at throw out there. And mind you, this is also illustrates what a not loser i am but this is this is like a i came up with this at like two in the morning like in my backyard on saturday night slash sunday morning uh it shows you what i was thinking about right (laughs) (laughs) uh so extra innings right you get to the 10th and even maybe you play like 10 regular innings you get to the 11th and each team can choose five hitters and one pitcher and maybe it's six hitters i don't know make adjustments whatever uh and each team has can do whatever they want with those six hitters. Whatever you can get out of those six hitters is uh, what you have, you know. And if it's scoreless, you do it again. But if you score one run and then you get through six hitters on the other team, game over. But the catch is that the inning always has to end with an out. So if the fifth or sixth, whatever the last player who's hitting gets a hit, gets on base it keeps going and you can keep scoring until you make it out. 
So that also, I think, mm-hmm. kind of brings in that same element. If you can pick your four or five hitters, if you want to go, you know, Trout, Otani, Rendon, back to back to back, if they're yeah. not already there, because, you know, right. who knows right. what robots are making their lineups. But yeah, similar, <laughs> similar, similar vibe, I feel like. Yep. Yeah. Your idea is a lot simpler and more. Important, <laughs> but. Especially with the Angels, man. I feel so bad. Like for I, I, I saw this tweet. I don't remember who tweeted it, but like. They said, like, it feels like every Angels game is, uh, you know, Mike Trout hit two home runs and Shohei Otani did something that hasn't been done since, like, you know, yeah, Shelton Silly game, Pants dude. Jackson in 1922 and the Angels <laughs> right. lose five to two. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I saw that tweet. That yeah, was yeah. so accurate. It's like, it's just so sad because the those two of them are so incredible. And also, you know, Rendon on top of that. Yeah. And it just they they just so bad. That's they just have awful. the best head start in baseball. Oh yeah. In my opinion. And and you know, Trout is like has been a cheat code for nine oh, years and, and they can't get there. So and he sad. has been so loyal to the team too. Yeah. That's what really breaks my heart is the guy's like, I really want to be on the Angels. He could have easily been like, No, I'm out of here. This team isn't for me. You guys keep sucking. I'm the best player in like a generation. I'm gonna move on. And you know, he, he could have signed with the Phillies and the Phillies still would have sucked. So. <laughs> true. That's <laughs> Sorry, true. Teams are like Sorry, that, Phillies. I will say, man. The I, Phillies, my NL East fandom's got to come out sometime. <laughs> no, I'm with you there. The Phillies don't get enough don't get enough flack for their, their failed rebuild, in, in yeah. my opinion. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, Dude. All right. Um, so now we are going to pivot to the more kind of, I don't know, random non-baseball-y uh part of our podcast i didn't mean to do like magic fingers there like i don't know that was weird like i don't know is there gonna be a sound effect during magic that? nope no there is let me tell you you want to know how much production is on this podcast literally zero there is no production oh, there is a theme paste, song the, there's a theme song and i also paste hawk harrelson yelling mercy over all the curses um yes in Audacity, that, yeah. but that's that where is, did that's you it. get your i don't know what your theme song is what, what oh is uh, i i wrote it and uh oh. it's it's just a guitar uh lick it's that we just no big deal he just came up with it he's wearing a van gogh shirt he's an artiste no no this is no this is much worse than a van gogh shirt it is a I... uh, van gogh van going and van gone Okay, oh, that's such a but... you are such a dad, man. It's a dad shirt. It 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 elicits great uh eye rolls. But uh <laughs> anyways, yeah, and you know what? The eye roll really that's what it's for. Yes, that's that's, that's what you're there for. Like when, when you go up to somebody and be like, Hey man, I knew somebody was addicted to brake fluid. He said he could stop at any time. And then when you get the person's just like, Oh my god. <laughs> <sighs> dad that's, joke that's, connoisseur. Oh, that's my, my dad does this man. one thing because i my last name's short so you know yeah. we'd go to a restaurant and my dad would say you know party of four for short as in short <laughs> weight and he'd always like elbow the the person at the desk <laughs> and like we would all like just roll our eyes or like turn away like, we don't know this that guy. is such oh my <laughs> so, god that's I, such a bad I, thing i love I'm, that I'm going to have to put this on our list of random stuff. I just want to ask it now before we get into what is usually yeah, the first yeah. thing. Do you, do you have yeah. a favorite dad joke? Oh. oh, man. I I don't know. I'm big into puns, so I will try to make yes. puns out of pretty much every situation. Okay. Valid. Um, and I think Chris Crawford, who is another writer at NBC, he is big into puns, too. So I think he's been a terrible 
terrible influence on me. <laughs> uh, but in a good, I mean, also in a good way, it's pretty entertaining. We, we try to keep up with our puns as much as we can. That's most of what our Slack conversations are for, for NBC, actually. Great yeah. for headlines. Dude, what dad are you doing jokes, for headlines? Dad jokes, dad jokes are the best. But I think, I think I actually have a favorite, which is, uh, it's, I'm sure you guys have heard it before. Uh, a man goes to a funeral and uh, walks up to the uh, the dead man's wife and says, may I say a word? And the woman says, of course. And he says, plethora. And she says, thanks. That means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> There's another variation of that joke uh, in which the, the man... Uh, <laughs> There's another version of that joke in which I the hate man. That that's funny. It's well. Wait till you hit the other version of it. There's the man walks up to the woman and says, "May I say a word?" She says, "Of course." And he says, "El mundo," and she says, "Thanks." That would have meant the world to him. <laughs> All my jokes are like from this like little kids joke book that I tell my kids, and they are not like that. They. No, nor should you be telling your children that. They're like, yeah. How did the astronaut put the baby to sleep? You rock it. It's like those nice, kind of jokes. Nice. So, oh, they, my, love, uh, they love it. it it's my, it, kills. it kills. My son came home from school one day. He was like, hey, dad, did you hear about the kidnapping at school? And I was like, what? He's like, it's okay. He woke up. I'm just like, where did That's you hear that? Good. That's pretty good. <laughs> like, he startled me for a second. I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> should have gotten a letter and a phone call about that. He's like, no, it's okay. You woke up. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> let's he's definitely my son uh let's so first thing we want to ask in this in this random section of the podcast we're going to do the order of operations trifecta in which we are going to ask you three things and we are going to ask you the order in which you do those things first one is when you get dressed socks or pants first always socks you are in the minority on that one and i'm very interested to hear why Cause sometimes you have like the longer socks, like I'm thinking like winter time and mm-hmm. like, I mean, I, as I said earlier, I sort of in that indie rock aesthetic where like sometimes the pants are a little, yeah. a little tighter. So you gotta, you gotta put the socks on first cause you can't put the pants on and then you have to pull the socks up through the, yeah. So that's not going to work. Yeah, that that's is, basically yeah. the explanation that we like. The, the that is the like valid explanation that we came up with while spitballing why yeah. you know, um, outside yeah. of any you know like potential disability related things, of course. But so the second part of the order of operations trifecta is: if you eat cereal, and if you eat it with milk, because some people who may or may not be on this podcast right now eat cereal without milk i um, eat dry cereal and do you Zach put i'm strange for it <laughs> it's more that it's special k than it's like because there's some it would be I more eat, acceptable yes, if it was like cinnamon I, toast crunch or something i like, eat oh, yeah. I, I also eat cinnamon toast crunch dry but yes but I that's eat like, special k that's fine that's <laughs> so long build up here milk yeah. or cereal first uh cereal first um because that way i can decide like how much milk i need some mm. some mornings you may put just a tiny bit or there might not be like that much left in the box. So like you want to know what you're dealing with before the ratio of milk is decided. 
I feel like we inserted this into our order of operations thing specifically just because of Jake, who uh, is a vehement defender of milk before cereal and like wrote a thousand words on it. Like, he, like um, but I feel like we're never going to come across anybody who does milk before cereal. We're like, well, Jake does it. Maybe someone else does. And like <laughs> no. everybody else is cereal before milk, but whatever. It that keeps seems- it a trifecta though. That's the the reasoning that I gave to Seeley, I think, but I don't know how he shot it down because that's also so valid, though. It's like sometimes when I'm eating cereal, especially because it's not always in the morning when I'm eating cereal, like it can be really it's an any time of day food um, right. in, in my right. humble opinion. But it's like sometimes I'm not super hungry. I'm like, OK, I don't want to slurp up a huge bowl of milk when I'm done, you know, because I'm going to yeah. be all full up already. And you don't want to you know, drink a whole bowl of milk on a full stomach and all that. And sometimes I'm like, yes, give me all the sugary milk in the world and I'll pour a little bit of, you know, yeah. I'll do a big bowl and go a little go a little bit extra. So I'm, I'm, I'm I think his right defense there. would probably be you you'll probably you know that's not going to be relevant to how many how much milk you put in because you're going to know ahead of time some cereals you want more milk than Mm. others like Mm. if you're having a bowl of like fruity pebbles you probably want more milk because you're going to get like the sugary milky goodness at the end and you you drink that yeah milk now I want fruity pebbles. By the way, <laughs> it's like it doesn't ma- like you always know fruity pebbles are great, like, but it doesn't matter if you always know what you, like you know what you want before you pour. But also, like it's so much easier to control the pour of milk than it is the pour of cereal. Like, you, does that never happen when you're like pouring a bowl of cereal and just go, you know? Right. And then you're like, okay, now I'm going to use more milk than I anticipated. <laughs> right. so, you know, we talk about we we're we like about we're, how... we're shadow boxing with Jake right now. <laughs> I was going to say we here. talk about we talk about how Michael Ahedo pops up on every episode, but it's actually Jake, Jake Seely so is the one who we we just put words in his mouth. We we really need to do part. Like, we we really need to do part two with Jake, and it's going to be an hour and a half of us talking about milk before. To give him a supercut, I'm just going to give him a supercut yeah. of all 15 people being like, "No, I put I put my cereal in first. Man. This is <laughs> this." <laughs> the, this, yeah, we'll be like, this is the part of the podcast, Jake, where we shame you. <laughs> no, uh, that's that's so funny. All right, uh, last one in the order of operations trifecta: when you brush your teeth, toothpaste or water first? Uh, well, I put water on the brush first, and then mm-hmm. toothpaste. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, and then water again, or no? There's some water involved after too. Uh, but I don't know about every time, but certainly water on the brush, then toothpaste. You need a little bit of moisture to get started. Yeah. It's weird to have just dry toothpaste. Dude, uh, what was it last week? Justin, Justin, was Justin last Justin, week was just like yeah. no water. He just like straight yeah. up just, and it was just like raw he, dogs it, and it's yes, weird. Yes, and I it's I just I, it's funny that you use that term because honestly that's exactly <laughs> how that's just that's exactly how I thought of it too. I hate to say, yeah. but, but it's no. And he had some reasoning where I'll have to go back and listen to it. But it's like you know, and I can completely relate to this where he like read something's like health related when he was like a younger child. Like maybe he said it was like 10 or 11 and it's you know how that happens. Sometimes you read something when you're 10 and it just sticks with you and then you do something a certain way the rest of your life, not realizing that it's like, Oh, probably not actually yeah. <laughs> right. Not yeah. actually the way to go. Um, yeah. Sorry, Justin, if you're listening that we disagree with your, <laughs> your, your toothpaste, stuff. <laughs> your toothpaste maneuvers, but that's good. Um, okay. So moving on to the next one. Um, do you have a favorite or a least favorite baseball movie? Uh, hmm. I think 
maybe this is a controversial opinion, but I think most baseball movies suck. Um, yes. I, I mean, I like the Sandlot. It reminds me of like when I was a kid, <laughs> but I have a really low tolerance for baseball movies. I don't seek them out. I don't particularly love them. Um, Naked Gun with uh that's a great answer actually uh reggie Jackson <laughs> so i and, uh, uh i've, I've always kind of wondered fire i mean that's pretty great i've always wondered is naked gun a baseball movie I there think is it, a baseball yeah. scene yeah. but the the movie because if it was i mean naked gun's one of my favorite movies of all time yeah. so that you know maybe that would be my favorite baseball movie if that counts i feel like it's well known Let's for a baseball it. scene but sure yeah. why not um have you seen bull durham and what do you think of it if you have yes uh i i remember the first time i watched it actually with my parents oh boy I, yeah when i was like <laughs> younger and i think they didn't know like how yeah like let it let it be known for anyone listening who has not seen bull Durham. there is a large amount of sex i mean the part whole, of the plot the focuses. whole movie is about yeah. sex basically <laughs> yeah um so i remember just feeling like really uncomfortable like i gotta yeah. go and i kept making excuses to leave the room uh yeah <laughs> but no i i, lo- I <laughs> love it I, it's a very quotable movie which like a lot of obviously when i was a kid when i watched it a lot of the references like went way over my head over time you know i became a bigger fan of it i loved like field of dreams when i was younger now i don't like it really at all <gasps> what what changed mm. It's manipulative. Uh, the hmm. plot points are kind of all over the place for me. Sure, yeah, I get that. Um, just not a really cohesive movie for me. Manipulative. Uh, so I'm curious what you mean by that. Emotionally manipulative. Um, sort of hmm. like the same way I don't like Forrest Gump. Uh, hmm. It's hmm. so you're saying it's a movie that that forces you. So you know, take a movie. Any any movie and like, hey, this is a person. He has a family and children. Now he's dead. Now you're sad. Right. Like it, it right. like forces you to feel feelings. Okay, right. I, I, I like that. kind of the yeah. more of the subtleties. I guess I'd say. <laughs> I, can I that. yeah, and I don't like. I kind of agree with you about baseball movies in general, but because I think Field of Dreams and and I don't love Boulder in particularly kind of illustrate that that point is that. I feel like most baseball movies are not really actually baseball movies. They're kind of like crappy dramas or romantic comedies, you know, right. built around baseball, which oh, is fine, so, which is yeah. like, so it's not, it's yeah. like, which is if obviously, so yes, it's, it's a, it's a baseball movie, but I also have a pretty low threshold for that stuff. I think it's, it's like not a coincidence. My favorite, my favorite baseball movie of all time is in spite of how, how poorly it is aged in some respects major league is yeah. is my my all-time favorite and i love moneyball too surprisingly and i thought i didn't like it and i i like baseball movies that are more like baseball centric rather than just being like the setting you know have you ever seen sugar sugar <laughs> is so it's like the good. fourth time this has come up here dude <laughs> it is such a good movie and so underrated and that is again so this is something that chris i don't know if chris brought this up I don't think he brought this up on our podcast. I think he brought it up on a different podcast when he was defending the Sandlot, which just let it be known. I re- I don't like the Sandlot at all, but <laughs> yeah, which is fine. I mean, I people love it, and that's great. I'm I'm happy that people get joy out of that. <laughs> but one of the things that Chris mentioned uh, was he said the best baseball movies aren't about baseball, mm. and I think that's kind of true. Like when when it is a crappy romance, I will say that. So for the love of the game. 
is a baseball movie that's not about baseball. It's about a pretty poorly written romance that's two and a half hours long. Um, And there are some great parts to it. Uh, John C. Riley is like the best. He's he's wonderful in it. Uh, Vin Scully narrates the or commentates the baseball portions. Wonderful. But it's a pretty boring generic romance. Uh, But Sugar is one of those movies uh, that is not about baseball. It's about what do you do when your life is devoted to the singular pursuit of baseball and you're not good enough. Right. What do you do when you're 24 and your whole life has been building up to this point and you fail? Right. Like, where do you go? And, and it uses baseball. You could do that story about a lot of different things, but it uses baseball. And I think effectively to facilitate that story. Yeah. And, and also, and, yeah, good, good. Someone coming to the country that, you know, is learning, absolutely. you know, trying to integrate into, you know, the English language and American society. And, uh, you know, you really have to think about what these baseball players deal with you know mm-hmm. coming over here learning a new language and and having to be you know taking care of like finances and where you live and all that kind of stuff has got to be really shocking to the system yeah I, yeah i think people i think if more people watch that movie they might also kind of reconsider a little bit how they talk about players sometimes yeah. you know that thinking, and, I, was, um, I, I was i was just thinking a- about Go ahead, go ahead. So I'm interrupting you. Go ahead. (laughs) No, I was just excuse me while I interrupt uh, you. (laughs) We only do it to each other like 18 times an episode. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Um, I was thinking about this with I don't know if you saw the little blurb that came out about Keston Hira today. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and how apparently his mom has cancer and is going through chemo, and he, you know, when he got sent down to AAA, he just took some time off and went back and spent Mother's Day with her and all this other stuff. And it was like, oh my, like I not that I wasn't particularly criticizing him before, but it made me like I wasn't actually criticizing him at all. I wasn't really thinking about him much, but it really made me think like, oh my god, like I sometimes really need to like not that I'm again I'm super harshly critical of a lot of players, but like let's stop and reevaluate. And I think having those moments is good. And I think sugar would make that do yeah. make, make um, that happen to, to a lot of people who can be really, really quick with, uh, have a really quick trigger finger with, with insults and with, sure, talking, yeah. talking the like, players. with baseball savant and like all these tools, you can like measure so many different things. You're like, Oh, his, his hard hit rate is down 6% from last year. And you're like, I don't know why, but like sometimes there's this, stuff going on that we don't know and you you can't quantify it but like these are people you know yep. um, i yeah great example of that in in my opinion is john means yeah john means yeah, last right. year came into the year amped up his fastball velocity everyone's all psyched about him. i was super psyched about him and uh he was terrible for the first half of the year and in my opinion part of the reason and he even has said this was because his dad was diagnosed with cancer and died yeah. during the season. Right. And Means even said there's a beautiful article, strongly recommend everyone read it by Dan Connolly with The Athletic, um, that was came out about the start of the season, uh, in which John Means talks a lot about how his dad's death and illness affected him because his dad was one of his biggest supporters. 
And he talks about how some of the games he came out there and he was pitching angry. Yeah. Like he was, he was ticked off at the world that his dad was terminally ill and, and he was horrible because of it. Cause he was just so unfocused. And I think it is important to remember that these guys are human beings. I, and it's, it's so, I will never understand the people who will send angry messages to athletes or even like, God, spouses of athletes. Yeah. Jordan, I don't know if you saw the thing, Jordan Yamamoto, Mm-hmm. Uh, today, where like he was saying, people were like, one game, one single baseball game where he gave up five runs, like not great, but like also not the worst thing ever. Uh, yeah. And people were like sending threatening messages to his wife. Like, yeah, just I will never understand someone who does that, but it's just I think it is easy, especially when you play fantasy and stuff a lot. And these these players are like pieces that you use in your game. Sure, it's easy I to forget they're also humans. It's worse than like fantasy football, you know, oh, whatever, yeah. like a, you know, an interception or a fumble or whatever. It's immediate. Um, but like the thing with Yamamoto, uh, his wife came to the game in Miami, like as a surprise. And so she like tweeted about it. And then, you know, once he gave up those five runs, like people started getting on her and being like, was the trip worth it? Or like, you know, just like stuff like that. And it's just like, <sighs> why like i don't know what's wrong with like these broken brains but it's yeah yeah terrible it's, man but it even speaks to to us as analysts too sometimes though it can be really easy for us sometimes when we're just constantly writing about people and the things they do and especially when we're doing analytical stuff with stats it's a little it can sometimes be easy for us to kind of quantify people and you know i try to like in my stuff i try to avoid like referring to people as like oh he's he's a good arm or something like that oh you know? yeah little things little things like that and it's i don't know we all though that stuff is really really like wild. I can't imagine yeah. going out of my way to like bug a player's wife at a gate. Like that's, that's that, that is completely next level, but yeah. Well, man, we, that's, <laughs> that's something that I, I will give Alex fast a lot of credit for. He, uh, Nick will always joke, uh, or used to, I don't know if he still does, uh, that Alex, he would call Alex, uh, Alex think fast. And it would be a, a, an Alex think fast moment was when Alex would be like, well, you got to remember this guy is a person. Here's like some of the mental stuff that might be going on with him out on the field that could explain this performance. Yeah. And, and I think he's totally right. I think that happens a lot of the time. One of the things I said about Spencer Turnbull uh, last year when he was having a really good stretch was I was like, you know, much it probably sucked for him to have his rookie year and have like the worst ERA a rookie could have. Right. Like just to go out there day after day and just be terrible. Like, do you know how much that just sucks as a person? Yeah. Like I, I can't imagine how difficult that is. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's easy. And also one thing I wanted to add, not only should people watch sugar to get a good idea uh, about, especially international players, but the documentary Pelotero. Oh yeah. Uh, um, which I don't know what that translates to. It's like, that's it's, Ball yeah, player. so ball player, that's, ball what, player. that's ball what it's called. Pelota, Thank you. Pelota's ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. So, um, but the documentary Pelotero, it it literally is a documentary of uh, the um, teams pursuing a couple international prospects, specifically Miguel Sano and a couple other guys that never really made it in the majors. But it kind of shows how like gross mlb's international player acquisition is like real gross there's especially a a gross scene in which like uh, a scout for the pirates tries to like 
convince Sano to sign for less than he's worth because there was uh, I don't if you remember there was some controversy about how old he actually was. Yeah. And just it it's really you watch it and you're like, oh gross. Like these MLB scouts often just treat these guys as like pieces to the sure. team and not human beings. Absolutely. It's it's real ugh. But anyways, I'm very glad you mentioned Sugar. That is a wonderful. It, that is an exception as far as really good movie. A good baseball movie. I will also it's say just a good movie. It's just a good movie. Yes. Yeah. Baseball secondary. Have you have you ever seen 61? Yeah, I like. I, I think that's not bad for being a baseball movie. I, I did like that. It's been years since I've seen it. Um, and Rookie of the Year with Randy <laughs> Quaid, right? Is that Randy also Quaid? good? Yeah, that's uh, not it's, bad. No, Dennis Quaid. That's Dennis. Dennis not Randy. Randy Quaid, Quaid is a little off. He's, he's, right <laughs> but he's, uh, he's up in Canada somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Dennis yeah, Quaid. Dennis the Rookie of the Year not, is is really bad. nice. It's that's a really bad. nice little movie. It's very yeah. heartwarming. It's a it's very Disney movie. Very yeah. Disney. Yeah. Very or predictable, um, but still like a little bit similar in my mind. Yeah, kids movie, but like yeah, yeah. Still, maybe a little manipulative too, but that's okay. Right, exactly. I could, I could, I could see that. <laughs> All right, so um, to pivot to the next question, we're going to ask a question that uh, I always love to ask, and I'm very curious what your answer will be. But have you ever seen a ghost or experienced something that was very strange that you couldn't really explain? I I feel like this is one of those very. Uh, it's like. For some people, they'll use it as something like you're stupid if you believe in ghosts or something. But I have seen a ghost. Love it. You are one of the few. Tell me everything. No detail is is boring. I just so, everything. My grandparents' house in New York, there used to be sort of like it, late afternoon, like a clanging noise. And we assumed that it was someone who worked as like a plumber or like a you know fixer upper kind of guy and he would come home from work and put down his toolbox that's kind of what we thought for a really long time so it would we thought it would go up the stairs to where there were like two bedrooms and you could see the steps from the living room so one night my brother and i were like we are gonna sleep in the living room and we are gonna wait all night long to see if there's actually a, a ghost that goes up the stairs so we waited and waited and waited and we saw a ghost go up the stairs, look at us and keep going. And then you needed to do right? <laughs> I think we still just slept in the living room. We're like, okay, we did it. Like, wow. How old were you? I was maybe 12. Wow. I, I love that's, that you guys a, have been like, yeah. I love that Casual. you guys were like, you know what? There's a ghost to this here. That's cool. cool. All right. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> guy's never, tired. He's tired. I'll tell mom in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> it never hurt anyone. I think it was like, I, I can't really explain like why or how, but, or how ghosts even work. I, if we knew that we would, you know, have all the yeah. answers, but, uh, it just was like doing I'm just imagining it, you coming on the podcast being like, and I, I know exactly it. how ghosts I work and it. let me yeah. <laughs> But I think it was just doing what it did every day. Like the ghost was like stuck in this loop and it would just like keep going up the stairs or whatever. But I that's... definitely saw it. It turned and it looked at me and it kept going up the stairs. That's so freaking cool, I can man. See how that would be a little comforting though. It's like, you know, that he, they didn't want anything to do with you. They're just oh. minding their own business, you know, like, oh, cool. You're there. Like whatever. And if it was bad, like they would have done something to you, you know? 
Yeah, of course. So years after that, my, my grandmother passed away and the ghost was gone. I don't know if she kicked him out or, or <laughs> what happened, but suddenly he was gone. My brother and I, after my grandma passed away, we camped out again one night and we were like, all right, we're, we're visiting grandparents. We're going to camp out again and see if we see the ghost again. Nope. Never again. Didn't and hear the clanging. Af- Over. After you saw it, but the clanging kept going after you saw it? Like it just was always... No, no I never heard it again. Well, I never really heard the clanging. My aunt heard the clanging. Mm. Hmm. Just That's wild, man. Who That's your wild. family wronged? <laughs> A plumber. <laughs> Plumber, there's, a, yeah. there's an outstanding receipt for some plumbing work that was done 50 years ago and he's still coming back he's yeah. he's got pipes to fix man um, <laughs> that's, that's, but yeah no i that's i wild that's I the first swear, like legit ghost story i will swear by that i saw it i'm not not I love it i love it yes that's beautiful um the best okay so next question i guess on a slightly similar vein um if you had a superpower, what would it be if you could pick? Uh, superpower. I think I would want, it's kind of cheesy answer, but <clears throat> I would want to uh, fix the atmosphere. Uh, so my kids... Very niche superpower. <laughs> so, yeah, I would want to be able to like control the the weather ish oh okay yeah so but also so like my kids won't have to deal with all like the impact of climate change and because shortly you know like when you when you find out you're gonna have kids you're like like the world is so effed up right now like am i sure i want to put my kids in this world um because who knows what you know the planet's going to be like 50 years from now so yeah i think it's a very like parental power that you want to have but like you want the earth to be healthy and good so like captain yeah. planet. i'm captain planet there you go word, word. okay <laughs> dude that's that's yeah the power is yours <laughs> be like ozone layer yeah exactly. oh, <laughs> captain planet oh what a great, a great what a great show man underrated show i yeah. love that show um that's a fun answer that's fun i like that um all right. Uh, do you do you have a favorite Muppet? Uh, Beaker. Beaker. Great yeah. choice. Beaker. Great choice. I I just thought he was hilarious. He is, he really is because he's just running around like on fire. Just me, 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 yes. Me, 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 me. I like thought just... he was awesome, and I used him as like my avatar, like in college <laughs> and after college for a while because I just think he's so hilarious. I definitely got some some beaker. <laughs> I can only time. imagine why. <laughs> That's uh, great. That's a great choice. I love it. Yes. Um, all right. So, uh, lighthearted. What is what is one thing in the last fifteen months as our world has come crashing down around us in so many different ways? What is one thing you've become more thankful for since the pandemic started? Who uh, more thankful for? I would say getting away from my kids. <laughs> Dude, I was sitting here like, I mean, telepathically. I'm sitting here like sending it to you saying the people who take care of your children. Like, just say it. 
Yeah. I know you're thinking it. I have two kids. I know you're thinking it. <laughs> yeah. But I'll say even this, like, you know, sometimes like my wife will say, I, I need you to go pick up this thing. And I'm like, yes, I get oh to God, drive yeah. for 20 minutes by myself. It's like go, going on vacation. And sometimes I think I'm just going to keep driving. <laughs> I am so glad. I'm keep going till I like run out of gas. I am so glad you said that because I can't tell you how many times I've been like with family and they've been like, oh man, we're all out of this thing or we forgot this thing. I'm like, I'll go get it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, are you sure that place is like 20 minutes away? I'm like, no, 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 no. It's no problem at all. I'm happy to do that. Yes. You keep the kids and I'll go. Yeah. I'll go pick up the pizza. No problem. You know, yes. it's just, it's the best. I love that. Yeah. That is just great. Those little moments are so nice. Or even yeah. like, this is a weird, weird thing, but I think some parents might agree. Like, I like washing dishes because it gives me just like a little bit of time to like think and like it's an excuse for me not to necessarily have to yep. do stuff for the kids i'm like sorry i'm i can't hear you the water's on and like you know it's, it's you the, know what it's kind of a nice mindless thing to do and i i can't do it with my kids i usually do it when the kids are asleep because my five-year-old wants to help, which is nice, but then like he's like grabbing knives and he can't yeah, really yeah. do that. He's like, I got he's like handling a glass. He's like, just slam it in here. I'm like, no, okay. But but after after they're asleep, it's kind of you know, I'll pop on my headphones and listen to a podcast and just kind of mindlessly wash dishes. And yeah, I I get that. I get it's that. Relaxing. It's relaxing. Those brief little breaks from kids, there's always a every time I I put them in the car, I think of this. Louis C.K. joke scandal noted uh, that uh, just I just, you know, you mentioned him. His joke was good, but like, yeah, he's awful. But you have to <laughs> just, you know, we're we're aware of it. Put it in the background. It's, we know it's there. But I always think of this joke he had where uh, he would talk about how, like, you put the kids in the car and then that walk around the car. Yeah. Back to the driver's seat. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> <sighs> Like, cause like getting the kids in the car is such a, such a chore sometimes. And then yeah. you buckle them in, you shut the door and like, Oh, it's quiet. And you just get to walk <laughs> around the car real quick. Yeah. Yeah. It's like those, those little breaks. It's those little freedoms. They're nice. I'm not um, even allowed to buckle the kids any in anymore. They want to buckle themselves. I have an almost oh. two year old and an almost four year old. So they like the challenge of doing the buckle. So I'm like, let's go, let's go. We gotta go. And they're like fumbling with the buckle. Oh my God. <laughs> That they has got to be so the frustrating. The two-year-old, when she does it, it's cute, though, because she's like, I did it. And I'm like, oh, that Aww. is cute, but like, let's go here. But also, <laughs> but also, you took 15 minutes and we're late now. Yeah. But, <laughs> but thanks, I guess. <laughs> that's that's great. Um, I So I'm, I'm curious about So this is a question that we haven't really, that we haven't been asking, and it's something I thought of recently, and I, I wish we had asked more people this, because I think... I, I'm curious what you'll say. So what is an important lesson and maybe the most important or just an important lesson you have learned about writing? Um, knowing when to walk away. Um, for me, I see you don't always have this, the benefit of time, but if you do, yeah. Um, I think sometimes the best work can happen if you start it and then you walk away for a bit take a little break. Maybe you're doing something totally stupid or, you know, you're eating lunch or whatever. New ideas will pop in your head. You go back and you kind of rehash it a little bit. 
for me, like taking that little break is, is good. But sometimes like there's something to be said for procrastination, but I like starting early and then mm. I'll procrastinate for a bit and then I'll finish it with those fresh ideas. And often it ends up being better. Yeah, I think that's that's great Fresh advice. Yeah, no. Yeah, I I I am someone who gets into a habit of just pumping out an entire thing. Like if I sit down to write an article, I almost have this this thing where like I need to finish it. Yeah. Like I can't I've done all my research, now I have to finish this article. And I think part of that comes from my day job as a journalist that's on a daily deadline. Yeah. So like I have to sit down and finish an article like it's, you know, I'm on a deadline. This has right. to be done in two hours. Right. So but a lot of times with these big research pieces, especially it's really good to write and then come back to it tomorrow yeah. and read over it again. And you'll be like, oh, why did I write it that way? Or why yeah. did I do that? And just and kind of edit it yourself a little bit, add some stuff here and there. It's so beneficial, but it is hard to know when to step away and, and do that. So yeah. that's, I, that's great advice. I love that. The other thing um, that, yeah. that I would say is it's just like time management. Like I, I think there is something like with having kids, like you just have less time to get things done. Yep. Um, but if you can work out that time management part where you know like this is, this is work time, um, it makes you so much more effective. Um, yeah. So, and it makes you just a better, a better writer too. Like if you know, you only have like 15 minutes a day to write, like even if you're just writing for fun, like, you know, carve out that time. Um, just like if you were exercising or. Yes, absolutely. Just take 15 minutes, you know, and same to go same for like reading, like making you a, a, one of the, keys to being a good writer is to read is to read um so even if read. you don't get a chance to write, just just read yeah absolutely could not agree with that more and that is something that i really need to work on doing myself is reading specifically like reading other fantasy articles mm -hmm. uh because i know a lot of these fantasy writers from twitter and stuff but I don't read them a lot. And, and one, I want to support other people. Like I want to, you know, give them clicks and support them and, you know, you know, retweet their stuff. Cause it's really good, you know, stuff like that. But also, like you said, it helps you be a better writer if you're reading good writers. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, yeah, that's great advice. I love it. Uh, um, Craig, Craig Calcaterra, who I mentioned during the show, yeah. like I, I worked for, with him for years uh at hardball talk love it he was so influential to my mm. my writing style but also like my baseball experience uh thinking more broadly which i think like the you know things have changed where it's not just baseball it's baseball is about everything <laughs> everything going on in society and uh through the course of writing for that blog i think i you know he really opened my eyes to kind of the wider you know, you're zooming out more on baseball and, and what it means culturally, what it means politically. Um, you know, it's not, it's not just a game. Craig yeah. is, Craig is great. Everybody should read Craig's stuff. He's a, uh, definitely, yeah. definitely a dream guest of mine on the podcast. I'd love to have I'm him. Sure he would he do would, it. I'm sure he'd do it. He would be a blast to have. Yeah. Um, a cup of coffee is great. If you guys don't listeners don't subscribe to that, you definitely, yeah. definitely Absolutely. should. That's his, is it Substack that he's on? I can't remember. I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So 
that's those are all great great recommendations especially the time management stuff since i feel like this pandemic started like me personally i and true for a lot of people as we convert to home offices and stuff like that time management just got a lot harder because like i'm in yeah. the same place all day it's a lot yeah. like there's there's so few so many fewer things that are naturally regimenting and breaking up my time to make it to make it easier to do that um right so this is a much less serious question and that it can be something this can be something really really dumb doesn't matter just tell us about a time in which you laughed really really hard okay uh <laughs> one popped in my head immediately so uh perfect uh in this was in college one of my friend's brothers came to visit and he was a little older and he did not particularly care about rules or laws uh so <laughs> <laughs> we we went to the campus movie and he literally bought brought like a six pack of beer in like <laughs> the campus movie theater. He's like drinking it in there. Um, you know, we spend the whole like weekend with him and it was like really hilarious to like be with him. But the last thing we did on the final night was like right around Halloween and there was a pumpkin patch. So we were like, let's go to the pumpkin patch. It was like one in the morning. So we ran in this pumpkin patch and we got our pumpkins and like we're running with our pumpkins. We think we're like scot-free to get away with these pumpkins. And there was this giant hole in the middle of the pumpkin patch and we all fell in the hole. Like this huge hole, which <laughs> must have been like eight feet deep. Oh my God. It was like a, like a trough. I don't know what you would call it, but. I don't know if this is supposed to be like a trap for college kids or something, but <laughs> it worked. <laughs> we, we all fell in the hole and like, instead of like being like mad or upset, we just were like hysterical laughing. And I don't think I'd ever laughed harder than that. <laughs> Cause it was like, just the dumbest thing to like steal pumpkins from pumpkin patch. Then to get stuck in a giant hole. It was pretty hilarious i think we still got the pumpkins out and like we took the pumpkins. sorry we, we still <laughs> stole them <laughs> but, but we, you know but we had fun doing it yeah. and it took a while to get out of the hole it, you know we needed we needed the man to say how I did just, you get out of an eight i think it was hole. one of those things where we had to like climb on backs and like <laughs> jump out oh so. my god so, yeah and I'm we left someone behind the, um, and he's still there <laughs> Yeah, I'm just picturing uh, Mary and Pippin in the Fellowship of the Ring running away yes. with their big armfuls. Yeah, of yeah. Just, oh my stolen God. vegetables. That's hilarious. That's great. I love that. That's so good. Um, all right, last thing we're going to do here on this podcast. It's a thing we call the full count in which we will ask for a recommendation in each of five categories. Ooh. Okay. Uh, this is going to be, I always preface this by saying, do not feel pressured to give some kind of obscure, neat little recommendation. If you want to give an obscure recommend recommendation, please do. Mm -hmm. But first thing that pops in your head is usually the best answer. So with that in mind, the very first category is books. What is a book that you would recommend? Uh, the last book that I read in full was uh swing kings by jared diamond um oh i know jared but i didn't know uh, i don't know that book it came out last last spring i believe and we had him oh. on the podcast last summer so i like read the whole thing 
Um, just kind of about these coaches that are coming into baseball from kind of like the fringes of baseball and how they're overhauling player swings like you know justin turner hmm. yeah 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 um all about kind of like the launch angle revolution and, and that kind of stuff so really interesting uh kind of focusing on the coaches and like where they came from and their different methods and stuff hmm. like that it's, you know really interesting book i'd recommend yeah that sounds really cool sweet Recommendation number two is food, and that can mean like a restaurant or a dish or an ingredient or anything yeah. vaguely food related. Um, well, I lived in Greenpoint, Brooklyn for a while, um, which has so many good restaurants. I would say Polly G's, it's a pizza place. There is, there's the restaurant one, and there's also a slice shop right there in Greenpoint, Brooklyn uh amazing pizza very very good uh i miss it very much uh there's also a donut shop in greenpoint called peter pan donut uh best donuts in in the world to me um wow and for maryland people um i'd say uh in northeast maryland there is a place called woody's and mm. they have like the best crab cakes i've ever had mm. um so yeah, Brooklyn. Everybody's people. got a crab cake place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's mine. I, I haven't been there in gosh, four since my first kid was born. So four years I haven't been there. Um, did, you ever, I, did you ever make your way to Jimmy's? Uh, yeah, I've been there, um, which is good as well. Jimmy's uh, is great. Uh, but yeah, um, you know that's that's sticking out to me right now. I I. Yeah. I I could probably give you some recipes too, but I, you know, we can move on, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you want. Yeah. Those are, I think those are great recommendations I'm and I'll have going to... to try those places next time I'm in New York, which will hopefully yeah. be soon, but Lord knows. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> and if you're ever in Maryland, yes, we'll, we'll go to Woody's <laughs> dude. If you're ever in Maryland, there's so many great food places around here that I would love to tour around. Baltimore's got some great food and not just seafood either. Yeah. I mean, just there's some great, great food in Baltimore. Um, next category is movies and or TV. Um, so, yeah, the last couple of weekends, I've watched uh, The Sound of Metal. Uh, Such a good movie. Yeah. So good. Riz Ahmed. I mean, that movie is great, man. Uh, I don't want to give like too much of it away, but um it kind of surprised me like i was like oh this is a movie about a band and like but no it's not yeah so that's that's one uh and just the other day i watched minari um, also brilliant which has steven steven yoon i think from the walking yeah. dead yeah uh, yeah 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 um but the grandmother like one i think she won like best supporting actress she did yep um yep those were fantastic if you get a chance i think they're all on like streaming services you could probably yeah i don't know about sound of metal but i know minari's on hulu i think okay yeah i mean they're they're great um yeah i, I watched recently watched all of ozark uh which i'm years behind Such a good show because Such i have kids show. and i didn't just haven't i've been behind on everything <clears throat> i really really like that show as well so yeah ozark's great their final season is coming out at some point soon yeah uh, my parents love that show so great uh, show 
We have done a lot of talking about music so far, but if you had to give us a music recommendation, what would it be? Uh, my favorite album this year is A Billion Little Lights by Wild Pink. It's- oh, interesting. They're from- Sorry, that just wasn't what I was expecting. There's been a handful of albums so far this year that have been like, oh, these are people's favorite albums. Yeah, well, That's an interesting from- choice. They're from Brooklyn. They're, I mean, it's just like straight up indie rock. Some of it like more singer songwriter emo y. Some of it like just straight pop. Um, but yeah, I think it's I, it's sort of like a throwback to like early two thousands indie rock for me. Like they could have been on like Vagrant Records or something in the early two thousand. Yeah. Um, there's another one I listened to recently. Um, it's an EP by. Uh, an artist called Michigander and it's, it's straight up just like good uh, like power pop indie rock as well. Um, There's a song called better, which I think is really, really good. Um, But yeah, it's a six song EP uh, came out about a month ago. I'm really, I haven't heard Michigander. Uh, I'll have to check that out. Um, But the wild pink album, that's a good choice. That's uh it's a good album. That's in my, I think it's in my top twenty-five of albums so far this year. It's a good, yeah. really solid album. Uh, that was my, yeah, my, that was a surprising choice. I like that. Yeah, I like my that in, my indie experience is limited to like baseball Twitter bullying me into listening. <laughs> to TV but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So maybe I'll have some okay. places places okay. to start now. <laughs> Happy to help. Ugh, both of our internets have been have been tweaking lately. Um, where in New York are you? If you don't mind me asking. Um, Brooklyn, but... Yeah, I'm like 45 minutes north of New York City now. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right before we had our second kid, we decided to move to the suburbs because we lived in a really small apartment in Brooklyn and just wasn't feasible any longer. As, so. as one does in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's good. Dude, I just lost hey. it for no reason at all, whatsoever. <laughs> that was so weird. It's a, it timed out well because my cat would not stop yelling. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, so one of the the thing I, I was about to hop on on my phone and be like, "Are you kidding me?" This far into the <clears throat> podcast, um, the uh, one of the thing I, the thing I was saying before my internet died is, as you mentioned earlier, there really is a lot of fantasy baseball Twitter that like has great music taste, mm-hmm. like. I I cannot tell you how many times uh, I I was very excited to have Chris Towers on this podcast because yeah. of like the music taste that we share, and and also one of the many reasons I was excited to have you on the podcast too uh, is great. There's a lot of great music taste, um, which reminds me. Speaking of albums from this year, did you have you listened to the um, the Nick Cave album that came out this year? That's I've been my. Not. That's been my album of the year so far. It's really well. I mean, I'll so definitely good. listen to it now. I have not. It's listened. so good. Or well, are you a Nick Cave fan? I should. I should ask. <clears throat> uh, I'm. I'm not like a super fan of his work. Um, right. I I think there's been like phases for me where I've like been into him for you know certain periods of time, but not like a huge fan. Okay. Well, if you like the stuff that he's been doing the past like five years, you'll you'll really like this. It's really good. Cool. Um, but anyways, uh, the the <laughs> final category. Now that we've had this 
uh, now that I lost internet, hopefully I don't lose it again. So let's get through this final category. <laughs> the final category, my favorite, it is miscellaneous. This is anything from your life that you would recommend to somebody. This can be a gadget, a practice that you do every day, a person, a place, literally anything at all, an experience, anything at all from your life that you would recommend to somebody like I said before, the first thing that pops in your head, that's the one I want to hear. I don't care how dumb it might sound. Ooh, uh, I, I really love coffee. Uh, so I would Great. say <clears throat> get an AeroPress. Hmm. Ooh, I don't know an AeroPress. What's that? It's You can use it to do single cup coffee and basically you know if you have if you have ground coffee it's perfect you you just do your cup pour mm. it in there boil some water pour it in you press it down like really slow you know for about like oh oh is it I'm like uh, um, right now it's is it like a french press it no it's not i mean, no, I, mean okay. I guess a similar it's, idea but it's it seems like a French press like mixed with like just a regular kind of drip. Yeah. Oh, press I'm it down it right into the it's cup. Like, I, like if you have a co- like I have coffee things where you like it's just a cone basically where you put a filter in and you put the coffee in and you just pour boiling water over. That's it. a pour over, kind of, yeah. Yeah, and this is just kind of this is pushing actually yeah. pushing it through. Okay, huh. that's a good one. I think it is one of the best ways to make a coffee, and it's pretty cheap. And pretty yeah, I'm looking. It's like thirty bucks on Amazon, and it's very reasonably. Yeah, it's very reasonably priced. It's so easy to use, um, to like discard and clean, and yeah, and you know you could grind your own beans or just buy the ground coffee. I drink a lot of coffee, um, and I use it pretty much every day. And you can you know you could bring it with you if you travel. Yeah, um, I would say yeah if you could pick that up. That's a that's a great one. I, I, another recommendation, and this is I know it's I'm about to tell you about a kids TV show, but I think this is one of the best episodes of television I have seen in a long time. There is this show called Bluey, and there's an episode called Sleepy Time, and it's basically like these little dogs. And they have a, it's inside of one of the kids' dreams. And there is like really awesome orchestral music. The art is fantastic. The story is really good. It's like a movie short, basically. It's like 10 Mm. minutes. But if you can find this episode, Sleepy Time, I promise you, whether you like kids' shows or not, it's not even really a kid's show, uh, you will love it. It is awesome. what, who who makes this show? I've never heard of it, and I have a, a five year old, so I feel like I know a lot of kids shows. It's uh, they're the show is from Australia, um, okay, but it's on like I guess it's on like Disney Channel. Uh, okay, my kids huh. really got into the show, and sometimes I'm like, oh, can we watch Bluey? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's how I was with uh, Yo Gabba Gabba with my, Yo, with my now yeah. when I was. When my 10-year-old was younger, I would be like, hey, Yo Gabba Gabba's on. Yeah. Want to watch it? And yeah. he would be like, okay, I guess. Right. Like, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. but, which, by the way, the song, I don't know if you know the song The Roots did on Yo Gabba Gabba. 
Love My Family. Dude, brilliant song. Super catchy. Like, just a really great... It's um, their guitarist, Captain uh, Kirk Douglas, uh, doing uh, the lead on it. And it's just a great song. Like, I would jam to that song on my own, like, in my car. One thing I've noticed about kids like music and songs which have probably heard a million of them by now i think that's where like all the ska bands from like the 90s and early 2000s like ended up working like now they just make songs for a living um, now, now they are the wiggles yeah exactly. <laughs> which the wig also the wiggles did i don't know if you heard the uh cover they did of a tame impala song i did movie. yeah that was Dude, freaking awesome was a great cover yeah, like the Wiggles go on and they cover Elephant and and then they mix in fruit salad. <laughs> it was I love really Tim and Paula, by the way. I oh, I love it. So I good. Love. They're 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 so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's those are great recommendations. This is why I love miscellaneous. It's just the most random stuff, and I love it. But I, I really can't think of anything more along the tenor of this podcast than getting two hours and twelve minutes into it. And then the internet cuts out and we're like literally on the very last <laughs> bullet points of what we're about to ask. We have one more thing to go. And then it's just like, oh, wait, do you like Nick Cave, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, and today's Bob Dylan's 80th birthday. <laughs> yeah. Right, happy is. 80th yes. birthday, Bob Dylan. What's your favorite Bob Dylan song? Oh. Slash um, album. Well, Blood on the Tracks is my favorite Bob Dylan album. Uh, it's my favorite album of all time. I love hearing an artist like just ripping their guts out and like throwing it on the table to me. Like, you know, sometimes you like music that just like sounds awesome or whatever. Yeah. Um, You can play it loud, but I'm always been more in that like confessional songwriting. And I think blood on the tracks was like right in the, you know, his marriage had dissolved and like right in the throes of his divorce. He, so Dylan will say it was not related to his divorce. His son, Jacob says it was totally related to the, I mean, if it wasn't, I mean, (laughs) but no, it's, it's great. I, I, my favorite Bob Dylan song. I mean, it, aside from like the obvious ones, just like Tom thumbs blues. Great song. Um, I love the line. I'm going back to New York city. I do believe I've had enough. Um, yeah. Um, that's, that's probably, that's, that's a great choice. Uh, have you, I'm curious, have you found that you kind of gravitated more towards the like confessional emotional songwriting as you got older? Yes, dude, I have found the same thing. It's so friggin' weird. I have found that like, you know, the movies I love now, like I like a lot of different genres of movies, but the movies like I just keep gravitating towards are like these sad existential crisis films or like films that deal with like, we're all going to die. Like I, I saw um, the movie, our friend, which just recently came out uh, with Jason Siegel mm-hmm. um, and Casey Affleck. And it's about like, it's based on a, a, a variety article about a friend who moves in with one of his best friends uh, as his, the guy's wife is dying of cancer. Right. And like, it is a very sad movie, but like, for some reason, as I've like hit 30, I'm like, yeah, that's the stuff, man. Yeah. Hop yeah. on marriage story, buddy. We're going to watch a family go through a divorce. Yeah. Or like, I'm just like pumping up Julian Baker. Like, yeah, you don't yeah, wear yeah. a seatbelt. So you get into a car accident and die. <laughs> right. Like, I just, I don't know what it is, man. <laughs> as I've yeah. gotten older, 
that's just like that's the juice right there. I don't know what it is. Richards was like my Phoebe. whole oh my 2020, God. man. Oh man. Dude. Great. It's so weird. I don't know what it is, but as I've gotten older, that's just like all I'm showering myself with is like it's depressing gonna happen, movies. Yeah, it's yeah gonna happen, I, dude. Yeah, give me like a uh <laughs> an intelligent like woman with a guitar and like you know, really dark lyrics, and like that is my jam at this point. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's gonna happen. I still have such a massive, massive song. Like I think Highway 61 is as kind of, you know go to like we were talking about this last week with led zeppelin and justin like you know the critics choice it's like the stock answer or whatever but like it was also yeah, the first totally it was like that was genuinely one of the first albums i fell in love with at like age yeah. you know eight as soon as my my dad was old enough to put me on to yeah. classic rock and stuff like that and i thought like at age at that age i thought like ballad of a thin man was the most hilarious song like mm-hmm. I had ever heard in Dude, my life. It's Bob's like he's talking about he's, he's talking about you're a cow. What is he talking about? You know. So I'm, is that going to happen to me though? Am I going to like gravitate no, towards no, I, I, stuff? And I, I, I will tell you. Five, I will say. Years? I don't know. You know, I still love a lot of different other stuff, but I've just found that like that's kind of what I've been gravitating towards. It's weird, but <laughs> I will say, mentioning that Bob Dylan's sense of humor is severely underrated. Oh yeah, like yeah. he's hilarious. If you ever listen to um, I shall be free. Uh, off of um, another side of Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's the goofiest, weirdest thing. He's like laughing halfway through it, like he's just like making stuff up, and it's so funny and weird. He's he's a really funny guy. It's almost and, like seeing yeah. his live shows. I think he's just yeah. messing with everyone to amuse himself, and it's not the most entertaining watch at this point to see his show i mean it, and this is going back like 20 years um not a kind of a bummer of a live show but i think he oh. I, he just needs to entertain himself so i kind of get it but it's not the best life i saw him about seven years ago at a fest it's not a festival it was called americana rama but it was um wilco my Morning Jacket and Bob Dylan. I went. I went to a show. Was it where was it at Meriwether? At Meriwether. I was yeah. there. I was. There. Oh no way! Are you kidding me? Oh my hey, god! So funny. That's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was at Meriwether. Um, and uh, dude, Wilco and My Morning Jacket killed it. And and Dylan was good too. It's just I remember after My Morning Jacket, a whole bunch of people started leaving. Yeah. I'm just like I'm sorry, people. Bob Dylan is about to get on stage right now, and you're leaving. Are you insane? That's, that's pretty wild. Even. In in their defense, he did just stand at a piano and like uh, sort of raspy talk sing yeah. his music. Uh, I saw Kanye more... West do it, and I cheered for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. It was only like fifteen minutes. Uh, and talk about how like people aren't buying his T-shirts anymore. Yeah, I, I distinctly remember, like you know, we um, I went with my my now wife, and uh, the it, you know Wilco was great. We were looking forward to that. My morning jacket, yes. Uh, Bob Dylan comes on last. And it was probably like ten or eleven o'clock, and I'm like I'm like kind of listening, you know, to try to pick up what song it is. And I like look over my wife, and she was like kind of falling asleep. That kind of <laughs> like sums up the bob dylan experience yeah i i wanted to see him because he was on my list of people i want to see before they die mm-hmm. um just because like you know like he was on he's on he was on there leonard cohen was on there and i got to see him 
Hmm. And, you know, I'll, I've conceded I'll never see Paul McCartney because I'm not spending like $200 to sit in the cheap I've seats. I've seen Paul mm. twice uh, because my parents are insane Beatles fans. So, like, they, tracks, yeah. they brought, me, brought me with them. That makes sense. Awesome. And, you know, it's funny. Here we go again. Like, I have said a hundred thousand times I can talk music forever and we just end up talking about music again. But before this becomes a three and a half hour podcast, mostly about music, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to call it here. And I want to, I want to end it by, by just saying DJ, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. It is really exciting to, it it has been exciting and a, a, a real fun time talking to you. Um, there was, a, I remember when we first kind of started this podcast, there was a handful of guests that like I popped up in my head and I was like, oh, I definitely want to have this guy on this guy. And this, this person on this person on. And you were one of them. So I am, I am very glad that we were able to do this. This is a lot of fun. So thank you so much for being yeah, on here. I really appreciate it. This was great. I mean, yeah, I talk about baseball like all day. So like to talk about other stuff. Yeah. It's a nice <laughs> little break. I didn't have to like make any notes. Dude. <laughs> Yes, that's great. That is so, it is so nice. It is such a relief to guess a lot of times. They're like, oh, do I have to do anything to prepare? And I'm like, no, you do. <laughs> yeah. You do not. Yeah. And they're no. like, oh, thank God. Because, <laughs> yeah. dude, like those fantasy podcasts, I've done them. And man, you're just, you've got a whole bunch of research you got to do because you got to start rattling off. Because no one wants to hear you be like, oh, let me check fan real quick. Yeah. No one wants that. <laughs> but, anyways, thank you so much for being on here.